Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. A Beautiful Wish Part 2 Chapter 3 First Fantasy For George, it had been a day unlike any other. Out of the ashes of one of the worst days of his life in which he had been picked on, scolded, beaten up, and humiliated, sprung a new day that had quickly become the most joyous he had ever experienced. He had serendipitously found a magical Persian ta which when played correctly unleashed the essence of a sexual genie servant who was now bonded to him for life. He had named her Dawn, after her striking pair of light blue eyes flecked with red and gold, which reminded George of a sunrise. The rest of her was just as beautiful, long and feathered honey-colored hair, a lithe and curvaceous body, and a disposition so enchanting one would have trouble not melting into a puddle of hapless goo the moment she said hello. But for George she seemed to have the opposite effect. When before he had felt meek and timid, he now felt stronger and livelier around her. After spending the day getting to know her, Dawn had revealed to him that she was in love with him, and that, magical bond or no, she always would be. After many years of fear and self-loathing, this revelation had a great impact on George. He had never believed that anyone would ever love him. The hope that his bad days were behind him had broke him down. As Dawn hugged him tightly, years of pain seeped into the collar of her light blue pajama top. She had allowed him to feel safe, and their bond had grown even stronger. Now that his life had turned a corner George was emotionally exhausted, not to mention physically thanks to the copious amounts of amazing sex. He felt like he needed a nap but it was still mid-afternoon, and he was worried that if he went to sleep again Dawn wouldn't be there when he awoke. Instead, he decided a nice leisurely movie would help him rejuvenate and allow him to spend more time with his dream girl. She agreed excitedly as it was to be her first cinematic experience. Why don't you pick? He offered. She beamed at him and moved to the DVD collection next to the TV. George loved the way she bent and posed for him as she perused the collection. She would stand on her toes to reach the top of the shelf for some random box and then twist to show off the curve of her perfect butt and her graceful legs. Hmm, King Kong, she said. Nah, too long. Then she knelt and thrust her ass into the air as she reached for another box. Saw you gross. She continued through the collection being sure to give George all the best views of her delicious figure. She would make sure the outline of her perky breasts was visible even though she was facing away from him. Eventually she found a movie that excited her and dived into George's lap to show him. Harry Potter? He asked with a raised eyebrow. Please. It looks like fun. She gave him a sexy pout and bounced up and down, which did wonderful things to her braless tits. Okay, okay. Put it in. She began to pull his cock out of his pants. The movie you little minx. Darn, I thought I had you there. She laughed. She jumped off his lap and moved to the entertainment center. It took her a few minutes, but she figured out how the TV and DVD player worked and returned to George's lap. As the movie played, Dawn watched in complete fascination. She would gasp and clap excitedly at Harry's victories and boo his enemies. All the while she would bounce on George's lap as he wrapped his arms around her taut stomach. She was particularly fascinated by the wands. Ooh, that is neat. I want a wand, George. She exclaimed. Then she stopped bouncing as a sudden realization hit her. Wait a second, I do have a wand. She crawled off of George's lap and pulled out his hardened cock. Eight and a half inches of pure mahogany. She said as she stroked him slowly. George was only beginning to recover but he reached his full length in record time thanks to her expert ministrations. However, he was still a little sore from their previous encounter in which he had, almost literally, fucked her brains out. Oh babe, I don't want to tell you to stop but... Do not tell me then. She interrupted. Just relax and let me give you a little taste of what is in store for you for the rest of your life. But I'm still recovering from last time and I don't want you to miss the movie. I can do both and besides. She flashed him a sexy grin. You are always just one wish away from being ready. He thought for a second, which wasn't easy at that particular moment, and said, I wish to be completely rejuvenated so that I can enjoy a relaxing handjob from my beautiful girlfriend. The tingle returned along with the flash of gold from her eyes. He felt completely refreshed, and his cock seemed even harder than it had been before. She moved in close to kiss him and purred. 
Mm-mm, you are so sweet. I am very lucky to have such a great guy as my boyfriend. She smiled happily. I cannot believe I just called you that. You do not mind, do you, George? You know I don't. It's official now. Could you say it again? She said sheepishly. Her eyes glistened from the light of the TV. George could tell this meant a lot to her. He looked deep into her eyes and said, Dawn, you are my wonderful, intelligent, beautiful girlfriend and I am your ever grateful and endlessly awestruck at everything you do, boyfriend. Dawn leaned in to kiss him again and let it linger for a while. She continued to stroke him slowly with both hands as her lips danced across his. George ran his fingers through her hair and caressed her cheek where he felt a little dampness. It wasn't a lot but it made him feel really good to be able to make her that happy with so small a gesture. Then he thought that maybe it wasn't so small a thing. After all, it had meant so much to him just to hear her say three little words. As they kissed he thought about what it must be like for her to have to be prepared to be treated like a slave. However, try as he might, he just couldn't think of her that way. If anything, he felt enslaved to her. It was a feeling he relished. He decided then that he wanted her as Dawn, not just as Jeannie, and that would mean she would have to find an identity outside of her need to gain his approval. He wanted her to love him because he deserved it, not because some major Jeannie 2000 years ago decided she would on some cosmic whim. It was a tall order, he had no idea how to go about it, but it was something that he felt very strongly about. In any case, he wanted very much for her to know how much she mattered to him. He just couldn't think of the right words. He knew what he thought he should say, that he loved her too, but he still wasn't ready to say it. With nothing else on the tip of his tongue, except hers, he filed the thought away and let himself enjoy her attentions. True to her word, she was able to watch the movie and give him a stellar hand job at the same time. She had produced a bottle of some gel-like substance out of thin air and used it to keep him slick and cool. It was very slow and easy, unlike their previous encounters that day which had been explosions of passion, sweat, and screams. As she watched and stroked, she continued her youthfully exuberant exclamations at the movie. Whenever a character would perform a spell with a wand, she would use her, wand, to do the same thing. Wingardium Leviosa! shouted the on-screen Ron. Wingardium Leviosa! exclaimed Dawn, and the bottle of slick gel floated over to her so she could apply more to George's turgid shaft. The two broke down into hysterics. After a little more than halfway through the film George was on the verge of a large climax. Dawn paused the movie so that she could devote her complete attention to him. She knelt on the floor between his legs and continued her slow methodical movements. She looked directly into his eyes and he could see her own passion building up as well. It took him a moment to remember his wish that she feel any pleasure she gave him and realize that she was about to come too. Still she stroked slowly, though she gripped his cock a little more tightly. Oh George, she said in a husky voice. You make the best wishes. Her lips trembled as she breathed ragged breaths. Her nipples poked through her shirt. She had a hard, glazed look about her. Come for me, George, she said in almost a whisper. Come all over your girlfriend's face. Cover me with your cum. He felt the steady rush of his orgasm pour through him. He grunted as long white ropes of his cum drenched her nose, chin, and lips. More coated her forehead and cheeks and dripped down in large gobs to the floor. She moaned loudly as her own climax overtook her. Oh yes! Give it to me, George! So much, so much cum! She yelled as she jacked him off. George looked down at her lightly glazed face in awe, both of Dawn and her enthusiasm, and the size of his ejaculation. He couldn't remember ever coming that much before. He watched her in silence as she caught her breath. Her breasts heaved in her light blue top. Once she regained control of herself she reached down underneath the waistband of her pajamas and dipped her fingers into her sopping pussy. She brought them up slowly to her face where she mixed them with his cum and sucked the mixture off her finger. Th. Thank you, George, she said with a shudder. Um, you're welcome, babe. Are you okay? Dawn continued to suck globs of his cum from her fingers. Yes, but I think I may have something of sperm fetish. She giggled as she made more of a mess trying to clean herself up than George did messing her up. Eventually, she gave up trying to get it all before it dripped on the floor and summoned the magical washcloth to finish the job properly. As Dawn cleaned George first and then herself, George said. That was intense. Was that you or me? You mean that impressive load? A combination, really. Part of it was the fact that I am quite good at giving handjobs. Another was the fact that you were fully rejuvenated and had been stimulated for a long time. But you have been giving me loads like this all day. This is just the first one you have actually seen. George thought back and realized she was right.
He had always come inside her up to that point. But I've never done that on my own, he said. Yes, well, you had never been with a woman before. Your body knows when it is alone. With a partner, our systems go into overdrive. Human systems do anyway. My systems are always turned up, she said with a saucy grin. Well, whatever the reason, that was amazing. Thank you very much, hot stuff. She jumped up onto his lap and leaned in to kiss him again. But then he remembered that she had just been slurping down his cum like she was at a wine tasting and stopped her. Whoa, whoa. First, I wish for both of us to be completely clean and refreshed so that we can enjoy the rest of this movie together. Like normal couples do, not sex-crazed magical genies and masters. Tingle. Flash. Thank you. And fooey. She pouted. Hey, I said like normal couples. I think normal couples like to fool around a little during movies. Don't they, Dot? She nearly tackled him and kissed him with infectious enthusiasm. This couple does, she said when they finally broke from the kiss. Eventually, they put the movie back on and actually managed to watch it the whole way through without any more wishes. Though that didn't prevent them from indulging in a few gropes, fondles, kisses, and embraces. George spent a good portion of the film sneaking grabs at her perfect breasts, and but while Dawn made half-hearted attempts at stopping him. As the credits rolled all semblance of normalcy evaporated, and the pair dissolved into a sea of passionate tongue twisting. But after a while their kissing became slower and more tender. Dawn surprised him by finding a sensitive spot on his neck where she licked and sucked for a bit. The sensations made George squirm and laugh. It wasn't until the DVD switched back to the title screen and replayed its theme song a few times that they stopped. George held her tightly as she lay on top of him and stroked the silky golden brown hair that he loved so much. She scrunched her arms up between them and laid her head down on George's broad chest as she purred softly. Finally, George asked, So how did you like the movie? It was great. It was a little preposterous, but so exciting. That's a fantasy story? She asked as she turned to meet his eyes. Yep, there are a bunch more in that series too. We can watch the rest sometime if you like. She flashed him a heart-stopping smile. I would like that very much, as long as we can watch them together. She gave him another sweet peck on the lips. I think fantasy might be my favorite type of story. George suddenly had an idea that was too good to let go. Dawn, come up to my room. I want to show you something. She shivered slightly. Ooh, goody. The two made their way across the house and to the stairs. Normally such an activity would have been quite forgettable. But with Dawn involved, the simple act of moving from one place to another took a great deal of effort. She led him by the hands while she would periodically sneak flirtatious touches to his muscles and his cock. Even when she wasn't playfully nipping at him, George found it difficult to keep his hands off of her. When they reached the stairs Dawn went first, giving George an unparalleled view of her delicious curves, barely hidden behind her light blue pajamas. Without thinking, George reached up, gripped her but roughly, and kissed the small of her back. She feigned a gasp and turned around. She sat on a step a few higher than George, spread her legs, and pulled him on top of her, moaning lustfully as they started making out again. While George was indeed ready for another round of passionate lovemaking, he had a gift for her that he was certain she would like that wasn't something he could wish for, and he was very excited to give it to her. At least as far as he could figure, he could only wish for something if it involved sex. What he had in mind was more cerebral. But despite his heroic attempts at disengaging from her delectable mouth, Dawn kept him entwined. With no other recourse, George wrapped one arm around her bare waist and swung her over his shoulder. She yelped and giggled and kicked her legs up and down as George carried her the rest of the way up the stairs. As they entered his room, George slid Dawn off his shoulder until she was cradled in his arms. He then laid her down on his bed gently. She struggled to plant kisses on his face and neck all the while. He laughed. Come on, babe, I have a present for you. Really? She squealed. Yes. But sit right there. I need to do some digging first. Dawn gave him a look that seemed to say. Huh. But she obediently complied. She reclined on his bed, making sure to twist and bend in a way that would give him the best view of her body. George stepped over a few piles of dirty clothes and almost tripped over the Persian tar which had been Dawn's home for more than 2,000 years. He picked it up and leaned it against the wall next to his guitar. The ivory carving at the top was still cracked wide up the center. George noticed that Dawn was watching him nervously as he handled the tar and then relaxed when she realized he was merely putting it away. Don't worry, he said. I'm not going to put you back in your vessel. Reassured, Dawn smiled and nodded. George moved to his closet and began tossing smelly clothes, shoes, 
and a few old action figures out of the way. As he worked he asked, How did you fit in that thing anyway? Even being a gas it still would have been a tight fit. She giggled a cute giggle. I was not a gas George. I was raw potential. I was everything and nothing at the same time. You make it sound like I could fill a balloon. You are, at the very least, a force of nature. But seriously, were you hiding in a black hole or something? He asked as he moved a large stack of comic books. Dawn watched him very closely, periodically raising her eyebrows at the different items he produced from his seemingly bottomless closet. Actually, I do not think I have been entirely clear about how a genie's vessel works. You see, the tar was not the actual vessel itself. It is merely the doorway to the vessel. The actual vessel is a small demiplane, a tiny universe completely separate from your own, which is only accessible through the doorway's magic. Think of it like this, my vessel is a room with a locked door. This door can take on many forms, in this case, a tar. The key to this door can also take on many forms, in this case, a specific song. I get it, I think. And if someone were to open the door to the vessel without the key, that would be very difficult to do. First, the doorway is virtually indestructible and tamper-proof to all but the most powerful beings, and I cannot even speculate as to who those beings would be. Secondly, even if they open the door to the vessel, the magic of the vessel requires the key for the genie's essence to be released. So they would go to a tremendous amount of trouble for nothing. They would find the vessel empty. The only exceptions that I know of are the genie kings and major genies. George took in all that she said in quiet contemplation. The more he found out about genies, the more he felt like he had won some kind of cosmic lottery. So what is it like inside this little universe? Are there tons of pillows laying around a giant hookah, like in the TV shows? Like I said before, it is difficult to explain logically. All I can really say with certainty is that I do not want to go back. Why is that? Well, before I was pure potential. I did not have a personality or emotions or even a body. There was everything, but nothing at the same time. Now that I am fully formed and self-aware, I am afraid that I would be very lonely inside all by myself. I would not be aware of anything going on outside the vessel and I would be afraid that the vessel may never be opened again. And, it is the only place where I could not feel you. George paused his rummaging and sat back on his knees. He felt a sudden twinge in his heart at her mention of being lonely. Loneliness was a feeling he knew well. Dawn kept talking. Of course, I would go back inside if you wished it. And if someone else somehow managed to open the vessel with me inside, I would still belong to you. It is just that. Dawn. Yes, George. I won't ever make that wish. He said very sternly. You're never going back into your vessel. He looked over his shoulder at her. Understand? Why, yes, master. I did not mean to imply that you would. I mean, it would be acceptable if you felt it necessary. I am sorry. She lowered her head in shame. George was slightly alarmed at the honorific. He had never been prone to outbursts of any extreme emotion. The memories of his old life, the life before dawn, had created a fatherly need in him to protect her. But he realized it had come out sounding like a dog owner yanking something out of a young pup's mouth. He felt suddenly terrible for his lack of tact. He sighed heavily and said, I didn't mean it like that, Dawn. That was rude and uncalled for. I got carried away. What I meant to say was that I wouldn't do that to you, not after what I've been through, and certainly not after, forgive me. Their eyes locked. Understanding and grace filled her countenance. There is no need, George. You were remembering what it was like to be lonely, and you took a stand against it, not me. I am proud of you, actually. Yeah, well, I still feel bad. Don't really know where that came from. Dawn shrugged. It is fine, George, I still love you. His stomach did two backflips. I am I, he stammered. You were going to give me a present, she said happily. He smiled, knowing that she let him dodge the bullet. Yes, indeed, he said with enthusiasm. Sorry that it's taking me so long. It's been a while since I've actually used any of them. She clapped her hands together excitedly. You mean there is more than one? You'll see, he said slyly. Finally, he had cleared the debris from around his gift. Okay, Dawn, close your eyes. And no peeking. She smiled knowingly at him and shut her eyes. George had no idea that the act of closing one's eyes could be so sexy, but then he thought that Dawn could be wearing a hazmat suit and still look sexy. She reclined on his bed and waited patiently for her next command. George walked over to her and picked her up carefully. Without any prompting, she leaned her head against his shoulder and wrapped her arms around his neck, her eyes still relaxed and closed. 
He could almost feel the warmth of her smile. He carried her over to his closet, set Dawn on her feet, and guided her to her knees in front of a wooden, knobby, waist-high bookcase completely filled end-to-end with small paperback books. Creases along the spines indicated that they had been read several times over. Okay, open your eyes, he said quietly. She did so slowly and examined the bookcase. George stayed quiet as she took in the sight before her. These, these are stories. Fantasy stories, corrected George. This is my collection, all my favorites. Whenever I was feeling down I would lose myself in a book for a while until the feeling passed. I used to imagine myself as the heroes in the stories, slaying dragons and saving maidens and whatnot. It would make me feel better, for a little while at least. Why did you stop? Her voice was filled with awe. Eventually I started to believe that nobody in the real world really thought that way. I would read a story that had inspired me when I was a kid, but when I compared it to my own experience, things just didn't add up. Good and evil are never that absolute. Love stories are never that simple. Friendships never last that long. He sighed heavily once more, his eyes downcast. No, that's not true, he said sadly. I gave up. I just stopped trying. I guess I thought the maidens would rather date the dragons than be saved by me. But now that I have you, I know that I was wrong. A lot of what I am, a lot of what I hope to be, is in those books. They taught me about myself. It's why I know what friendship is even though I don't have any friends. It's how I know that if you love me like you say you do, then I should try to be worthy of it. It's how I know that I don't want you to be my slave, but my girlfriend. Dawn, you made me realize how important these are to me. And now I want you to have them. You mean you are giving them all to me? She asked wide-eyed. On one condition. When you read them, I want you to think about what the stories mean to you, not just what it means to me that you are reading them. I want you to enjoy them, or hate them, because it is what you feel. Dawn wore a look of unabashed wonderment as she ran her index finger along the spines of the books. She stopped at a familiar title and pulled the book free. It was the book version of the movie they had just watched. She stared at the cover lovingly. He continued, I know that they are just books, but when I saw how much you liked the movie I thought you might enjoy the real thing. And who knows, maybe you'll find something in those books that will teach you something about yourself, just like they did for me. She hugged the book tight across her chest and said, They are not just books. They are you. She looked up at him. Her beautiful dawn-colored eyes glistened. I will take very good care of them. George leaned in and kissed her forehead. I know you will. Feeling very good about himself, George thought he should leave her be for the moment so that she could explore her gift more completely. He stood up and surveyed the devastation in his room. Unlike the mess in the kitchen, this one was completely his own doing. Even before he had emptied his closet to clear a path to the bookcase, the place had looked like a war zone, with old action figures acting like generals directing their armies of books over mountains of dirty clothing. Now it looked like the proverbial bomb had gone off. He had resolved to give the place a thorough scrubbing when he heard Dawn's voice behind him. George, she said in her now familiar sultry tone. I have a gift for you too. George turned around and almost choked on his tongue at what he saw. Dawn was at the entrance to his closet dressed in an almost perfect recreation of a Hogwarts uniform. Actually it was even more perfect thanks to the alterations she made. Rather than looking frumpy, the costume was cut to hug every inch of her perfect body. Her long shapely legs were made even more so thanks to a pair of black pumps and white knee-high stockings. The skirt was definitely much shorter than any respectable which would have worn, stopping just before her lightly tan mid-thigh. Her blouse acted more like a corset than a blouse and pushed her large perky breasts up higher than usual. With the top few buttons undone the view was mesmerizing. Rather than a cloak, she wore a long silk scarf that blended blue, red, and gold in horizontal bands up its length. It flowed in two long tendrils down her back. Her skirt and tie matched the scarf's colors, although the tie looked quite comical nestled uselessly in her cleavage. All told, George thought she looked dazzling and his throbbing cock poked noticeably against his sweatpants in response. He stood there dazed with his mouth open. You like? Dawn asked as she pranced around in a tight circle to give him all the best views. Her scarf twirled around her in graceful swirls. Her pleated skirt flared up and George caught sight of her little white panties. George tried to say, Oh me fucking goodies. But what he actually said came out even less coherent than that. Dawn gave him a heavenly laugh and said, I will assume that was an affirmative. George nodded dumbly. But this is not the complete extent of my gift. How would you like to go there? Where? To Hogwarts? She nodded. You can do that? 
with a wish, yes. I said before that I could create fantasies for you without limit. The only stipulation would be that there would have to be sex involved. Oh, darn, he said jokingly. She laughed again. I have to warn you, though, while you are in the fantasy, time will pass in the real world. An hour in a fantasy would amount to roughly an hour in our world. Of course, as your mastery of my powers grows, and your confidence in yourself grows, that ratio would change in your favor. Also, there is a limit on the amount of time you can spend in a fantasy. You opened my vessel just under 18 hours ago, so you have accrued 18 hours of fantasy time. Okay, I don't want to stay there for a full 18 hours. Maybe an hour or two would suffice. That should be fine. Right now you can experience a fantasy up to 6 hours long, but again, that should get longer as we spend more time together and the more confident you become. Oh, and you cannot experience more than one fantasy in any 24-hour period, to prevent you from spending too much time in a fantasy world. This is one of those weird genie rules, isn't it? Yes, sorry George. It is something I do not have a control over. Despite his limitations, George was very excited about the prospect of living out the fantasies from his books. So, if I wish to fight some orcs and then make love to you dressed up like an elf for six hours, you could do that? Tingle. She smiled happily and said, Yes, that would be fine. That sounds like a lot of fun actually. And I wouldn't really be dressed up like an elf, I would be an elf. However, for any fantasy I would need to have a basic script of events and any other details you feel are important. Well right now I am feeling inspired by your uniform. What do I need to do? She leaned in and rubbed his erection lightly through his pants. She bit her lip as she said softly, Why don't you get comfortable, and then you can tell me what you dream about. Then I will make your dream come true. She had that look in her eye that George had come to recognize as her unbridled affection. George felt a little weak need as she pulled him down low enough so that she could kiss him deeply as she continued to caress his member. She pushed him backwards lightly until he hit the bed and fell backwards, pulling her on top of him. His stomach did three backflips. She straddled him. So George, are you comfortable yet? She asked. I don't think I've ever felt so comfortable being so uncomfortable in my entire life. He said breathlessly in between kisses. Then would Master like to be less comfortable? He just grunted in confirmation. Without her moving from their kiss, George felt his pants slide down and his hard cock enter her slick warm tunnel. She didn't ride him so much as milk him. He could feel her walls pulse and pull and tighten around him slowly. The thought occurred to him that her panties should have been in the way, but quickly dismissed it when he remembered she was Jeannie. He thought she could probably still be wearing her panties and just make them immaterial or something. He swooned as he imagined the lengths that Dawn could and probably would go just to fuck him. Over the next half hour, George relayed to Dawn a fantasy that had been swimming in his head for a while. Dawn continued her slow milking, increasing her intensity, as George relayed some of the more lurid details. He had been resisting the urge to reach up and play with his most favorite pair of breasts in the whole world because he didn't want to mess up her uniform. But he couldn't hold back as their mutual orgasm approached. She feigned indignation as her tie and blouse were hopelessly disheveled by George's large hands, but the sensations quickly melted her coherence. Even as big as George's hands were, the flesh of her breasts overflowed and spilled out between his thick fingers. Minutes later, they both finished riding out the crests of their equally earth-shattering orgasms. The script was eventually decided upon. But then George realized that quite a bit of the tension would require him not realizing it was a fantasy. He related his fears to Don. If you would prefer George, I can make you believe the fantasy completely as long as you are inside it. Once you return you will have all of your memories intact. Problem solved. So what do I do now? Just lay back and close your eyes. I will do the rest. I will see you again in one and one half hours as we agreed. Wait. Aren't you coming with? He asked. I can observe if you wish. Can't you, you know, participate? Of course, George. Well, do you want to go? If Master wishes it. No, no. I mean, does Don want to go, the person, not the genie? More than anything. She replied wistfully. So why didn't you just say so? I did not want to presume you wanted me thus. I do thus. Besides the fact that I want you around me all the time, this is as much your idea as it is mine. You have to be there. She brightened. Okay, do you wish me to observe, or would you like me involved more? Intimately? Well, since you are the girl of dreams, why don't you be the girl in the fantasy? Can you alter your memories like you can mine, so that you believe it too? Yes and no, I cannot make the genie side of me believe it, because it needs to monitor and guide the fantasy. 
but the dawn part of me can believe it if you would like her too. What would you like? She looked into his eyes and replied, still wistful. I would like to be where my master is so that he may continue to see me as the girl of his dreams. Is that the genie talking, or Don? Both. She whispered. Professor Malik Graves rushed briskly through the grounds of Goose Pimples University in a desperate attempt to get to his next appointment on time. He had only been teaching advanced dueling for a semester, and already the complaints of his sour attitude and perpetual lateness was putting him on cold terms with the headmistress. He nodded curtly as he passed several students and rounded a corridor towards his office. Professor Graves was very young to be teaching such an advanced course at one of the oldest and most prestigious wizarding universities in America, but his talent and style were undeniable. He had never had any formal education himself, growing up on the magical streets, picking up whatever bit of magic he could use to help him survive. But after helping the authorities break up several groups dedicated to the dark arts by working undercover, he had proved to all that he was both powerful and trustworthy, if a little eccentric. However, he was having trouble keeping to his schedule while following the headmistress' incessant demands. He had gained a reputation as something of a maverick on campus. He was not much older than most of the students attending the school, and he tended to have more in common with them than the stuffy old witches and wizards who taught the other classes. He had a prickly exterior persona most of the time, but those who got to know him found him dedicated and very protective of his students. While most wizarding folk were either skinny or portly, Malik was thick and hard thanks to his less cushy upbringing. Most of his students greatly enjoyed his classes because Malik had a complete aversion to books and lectures. Rather than a blackboard, Professor Graves had an arena filled with all sorts of devious surprises. And instead of theories and proofs, he focused on the practical aspects of casting spells and the subtle tricks that could keep one alive in a desperate situation. His favorite trick, and specialty, was silent spells. He could cast most spells without any words or flourishes so long as he had his wand somewhere on his person. It was a talent he had not shared with his superiors or his students out of the habit of wanting an ace up this sleeve. Most times, this is where he kept his wand, hidden away for times of crisis. He reached his office on the 852nd floor of the Northwest Tower just in time to hear the clock tower boom four times. He was relieved to see that his appointment was running slightly late. He couldn't afford any more lapses in professionalism that semester. He was to meet with a young exchange student from across the pond who was having trouble with a certain jinx that she just couldn't seem to defend herself against no matter how hard she tried. He had put this meeting off several times, dismissing it as trivial. How could a student at one of the best wizarding schools in the world be having trouble with such a ridiculously simple spell? But his department head had explained to him in no uncertain terms that his job depended on this meeting. Professor Graves hung up his formal black school cloak, revealing a white, partially unbuttoned business shirt. He was trying to organize his stacks of parchment lying haphazardly about his desk when he heard a tiny knock at the door to his office. It's open, he said shortly. He heard someone enter, but did not look up. He heard a young woman's voice say, H, hello, professor. She spoke with a very sweet and sexy British accent. Yes, yes. Sit down, sit down. You must be Miss Honeywell. I understood. He stopped as he caught sight of the honey-haired goddess. She was dressed in the standard GPU uniform, though it seemed much too small for her and her bountiful curves, which pushed the blouse of her uniform to its limits in terms of both decorum and functionality. Her skirt was entirely too short to cover her toned dancer's legs and he could clearly see her white panties as she struggled in vain to cover herself while she sat cross-legged in the chair opposite from him. He caught himself gawking, though she didn't seem to notice as she fumbled about her uniform, trying to make it fit properly. He continued, Understand that you have been having trouble with a clotho reducto jinx. Yes, professor. She said shyly. You do know there is a counter jinx to this spell, yes? Yes, professor, but every time I try to cast it, the jinx just intensifies. I've ruined three uniforms already and whenever I try to put on something different it changes to look like this. She said, her voice filled with exasperation. Interesting, said Malik intrigued. Well, stand up, I had better be sure that you haven't just been casting the spell incorrectly. These things do happen sometimes. He rose, and motioned with his wand for her to stand next to his desk. She moved with seemingly unconscious grace to stand before him. She had a delicate, sultry way of moving, but Malik was fairly certain by her square-framed glasses and nervous attempts to cover her legs that she was not comfortable walking around in such a revealing state. He couldn't help remarking to himself how cute and sexy she was, her not realizing it was just adding another level to his arousal. Clotho in Largum, said Malik firmly with a simple flourish from his wand. 
True to her word, the uniform shrunk and tightened even more until the buttons from her blouse burst and shot across the room, revealing her unbelievably gorgeous melons lifted and restrained unnecessarily in a white seamless bra. Her skirt was just an inch long. You see, Professor? She cried as she tried to cover herself with too few appendages. She unconsciously palmed her right breast. Malik could clearly see her hard nipples poking through the undergarment. Her cheeks appeared rosy and flushed. Hm. He thought out loud. I don't mean to alarm you, but this could be very serious, Miss Honeywell. Oh no. I'm cursed, aren't I? She asked nearly in tears. I need to try a few things to be sure. I am going to cast another spell. This one is a counterhex. If I'm correct, then your clothes shall reduce even further. If that's the case, I'll then try counter curse. I want you to be prepared, Miss Honeywell. If I'm right, you may very well be completely naked by the time I'm done. Her face scrunched up in anguish. Are you sure we need to do this, Professor? I mean, if my dad found out that I've been cursed, he would ship me back home faster than you could say unforgivable. The alternative is that your clothing will continue to reduce until anything you wear will appear as nothing at all. I'm sure you don't want that. Well, no. Then this must be done. It is the only way I can know for sure. She didn't look happy about her options and hesitated while she worked through any possible way out she may have overlooked. All the while she rubbed her thighs together and continued to fondle herself. Malik truly felt bad for her. If he was right, then she had been afflicted with a very old and difficult-to-break curse. It had gone by many names over the centuries, but the current street name for it was, The Heat. Listen, Miss Honeywell, I know that you must be slightly mortified at the moment. You have not been in any of my classes so you may not know this, but my students come first. If you would prefer me to keep your condition a secret, I will make an unbreakable vow to do so. But you must understand that this isn't going to wear off on its own. It must be dealt with. Why, yes, Professor, she said, her eyes downcast in resignation of her fate. And Professor, thank you for, for your help. Thank me after we've gotten rid of this thing. Are you ready? She stopped trying to cover herself and balled her hands into tight fists. I'm ready. Malik cast his counterhex. Her blouse and skirt almost disappeared and her bra and panties tightened, mashing her jugs up even higher. She moaned in arousal and embarrassment. He cast his counter curse, and the bra snapped open in the front allowing her large breasts to spill out. Immediately, she reached up to tug at the pretty dark pink nipples and collapsed to her knees in front of him. She writhed and moaned as a puddle of her juices formed underneath her. He was now certain of his diagnosis. Ms. Honeywell, I am afraid that I was correct. You have been afflicted with what is known as the heat. It starts out by tweaking your clothing to make you look more appealing to those you are attracted to. Why, why am I so horny right now? She blurted out in between ragged breaths. That's the second part of the curse. It increases your arousal the closer you get to the objects of your affection. There must be someone close by who you have feelings for. From what I understand, the stronger the feelings you have for this person the more intense the arousal. It intensifies even further if the wrong counterspells are used on the victim. The only way to stop it that I know of is to orgasm. Okay. She managed as she nervously reached down beneath her ripped panties and began to rub her swollen clit. Malik thought he should leave her alone for a minute so that she could bring herself under control and move towards the door to his office. She stopped him. No. Wait, please. Please help me, Professor. I need you. Without thinking, Malik rushed to her side. What is it, girl? I can't do it, on my own, anymore. She reached for the outline of his engorged cock through his trousers. Please. Please fuck me. Malik was horrified. The curse had already progressed to its third stage. Now the only way she could satisfy her cravings was to be satisfied by another. But in order for her to be at this stage of the curse, she would have had to have been cursed weeks ago. This was going to make the task of uncursing her much more complicated. But before he could begin tracking down the source, he had to help the poor girl orgasm. If he didn't then she would quickly go insane with lust and the curse would become permanent. Then she would run through the streets fucking anything that moved just so she could get a temporary release. It was a devious and evil curse that dark wizards sometimes cast on their enemies to make sexual slaves out of them. He helped her to her feet and guided her over to his desk. He laid her down face up, spread her legs wide, and ripped her panties off so that he had clean access to her hot pussy. He reached out and brushed her clit lightly. She cried out in ecstasy as he rubbed the swollen nub. At least she should come quickly. He thought. He leaned forward and licked her pussy with abandon. He reasoned that the more vigorous he was the quicker it would be over for her. 
As he expected, she didn't last long against his assaults. She came within a minute of his furious tongue lashing. She cried out as the pleasure surged through her. She panted and moaned as she tweaked her hard nipples. Malik rose, fully expecting her to be angry with him for taking advantage of her. Even though she had asked for it, she had been under the effects of the curse and probably didn't even know who he was anymore when she had begged him to fuck her. But she wasn't angry or pleased, she was still writhing and moaning. Her orgasm had not sated her lust. It was even worse than he originally feared. P. Professor! F. Fuck me! She screamed even louder than before. It was a good thing that his office was protected from scrying. He reached down to grab her face and look into her eyes. He had to get through to her quickly. Miss Honeywell, you have progressed to stage four. This is the final stage before the curse becomes permanent. You need to receive a load of sperm from the person who is causing your arousal and fast. Tell me who it is. Now. She was glazed and delirious. Her eyes began to roll back into her head. Tell me now, girl. He yelled as he lightly smacked her cheek to get her attention. Why you, professor? I want you. I've wanted you since, since I first saw you. She cried. Malik was floored but he had no time to take in what that meant. On a practical level, this made halting her imminent insanity a much simpler task. He hadn't a moment to waste. He flung off his trousers and positioned his cock at her steaming entrance. He pushed in and she gasped in extreme pleasure. She was hot and tight, but so slick with her own juices that even with the great thickness of his cock, pistoning in and out of her was effortless and quite pleasurable. So much the better for him. He needed to get off quickly if he was going to save her. He fucked her recklessly and with abandon. He had always been a tit man himself, so he reached up and took hold of her large perky breasts. The feeling of her tits mashing around his fingers was incredible. She continued to moan and scream as she came again and again. Malik could see her eyes water and roll back. He knew he didn't have long. Finally, he felt himself round the corner. He knew he would need to come in her mouth as it was the fastest way to get it into her system, but he also knew it would have to be a large load if it was going to have any effect at all. He silently cast a fertility spell that would allow him to give her enough semen to stave off her insanity for at least a little while. He pulled out of her, and she groaned. He moved to the other side of the desk where her head had been hanging off and stuffed his cock into her drooling mouth. He came almost immediately. Her eyes went wide as her cheeks billowed out. Some escaped her tight seal around his cock and dribbled down her face but she instinctively gulped it down until she swallowed as much as Malik could give her. The tide receded and Malik backed away from her. He had done all he could, now he had to wait to see if she would come back from the brink. He walked over to a trunk behind his desk and, after rummaging through it for a minute, found an ever-clean towel. He cleaned himself with it, and then placed it neatly next to Miss Honeywell, who was now moaning much more softly than before. She was almost wheezing and her whole body glistened with sweat. He put his trousers back on, walked over to the door, and faced it to wait for her to collect herself. He fully expected her to lash out at him she would probably tell the headmistress and get him sacked. He was fine with that as long as she was okay, but he still needed to find the person who cursed her and get them to cast the proper counter-curse. Her ragged breathing finally went back to normal and Malik could hear her using the towel to wipe down her fairly slimy body. Ms. Honeywell, said Malik in his teacher voice, if you go to the cloak rack next to my desk you will find a white satin robe. It is specially enchanted to resist spells of all sorts. It should relieve your clothing problem for the time being. He heard her walk on shaky legs over to the cloak rack. After finding the robe he was talking about, she put it on. It isn't changing. Oh, thank Harry. She squealed. Are you decent? He asked shortly. Why, yes. She said, her voice shaking a little. Malik turned around to face her and took in a sharp breath. Even with her hair being a bit out sorts and her glasses tilted, the robe made her look almost like an angel. You must now see the severity of this curse, Miss Honeywell. She nodded. I promise to do everything I can to free you from it, but it will take time. Since you are now at stage four, time is something of which we have precious little. To keep you from losing yourself I will talk to Professor Applebottom and Potions and see about making you a tonic that will stave off your cravings. Once that is done, I will begin tracking down your attacker. What if, what if I don't want the cravings to stop? She said quietly. I don't understand, said Malik. She walked towards him quickly but still shaky and hugged him fiercely. Would it be okay if I come to you when the craving comes back? Malik was not expecting this. While she was locked in her embrace, he was confused about what to do with his now awkward limbs. Ms. Honeywell, 
Please call my Shayla. Okay, Shayla, what do you mean you don't want the cravings to stop? I'm sorry, Professor. It is just that. I've always thought you were cute and when I heard how great a wizard you were from the other girls I just, I started to fantasize about you and me, together. MS. Honey, Shayla, I am a teacher here. I can't get involved with a student. Oh. I think I feel another craving coming on. She fondled his rapidly recovering erection through his trousers. Please help me. She said as she dropped to her knees and pulled his cock free. Mallet couldn't stop her as she bobbed up and down until he was a full length again. She looked up at him. Do you have any of that potion handy, Professor? And not yet. He stammered. Then you had better give me another big dose before I lose myself, Professor. She winked at him and went back to her rapid bobbing. Malik was sure that the headmistress would find out about this somehow, but his reason was being sucked out of him. Without any more worry, and thanks to a few more well-placed silent fertility spells, Malik was able to give Shayla many more doses, to stave off the cravings of course. George awakened with a start as his mind rearranged itself. He could feel the consciousness of Professor Malik Graves leaving him and his own being reinserted. The feeling was quite disconcerting as there was a brief moment in which he wasn't sure which person he was. But the feeling quickly passed and George was his old self again, only now he had an amazing new experience in his head that was so vivid he could remember every sight, sound, and sensation in the greatest detail. He looked down and noticed his sweatpants were hopelessly soiled. From his right he heard the throaty breaths that George recognized as Dawn's postcodal fallout. He looked over at her, she was fanning her flushed face with her hand. Her uniform was hanging off her body in strange places. For instance, her scarf had wound its way around her left thigh and calf, her shoes were gone, one of her stockings was balled up near her ankle, and he wasn't sure but he thought he saw her panties around her shoulder. She was sweaty and the sheets by her sex were slightly damp. The whole room smelled like a mixture of dirty clothes, horny genie, and Don's sweet tea-like scent. George, I think you are going to be a very interesting master, she said half-giggling. Well, before I met you, I spent a great deal of time coming up with lots of perverted nerdcore fantasies. He rolled over so that he could hug her as he lay there. Did I go overboard? You can never go overboard with me, George. Did you have fun? It was amazing, but... Oh no, did I not form the fantasy correctly? She looked genuinely worried. No, no. You did great. It was everything I asked for. What I realized was that since all we did was have sex we didn't really get a chance to walk around and see all the magical things. I think next time, you and I will be ourselves but we'll take a tour of Hogwarts, have a feast in the Great Hall, and then make some magic of our own somewhere. Sound good? Her eyes went wide and she turned giddy with excitement. That sounds amazing. We can christen all the rooms. Oh, what should I wear? Whoa, before we do that, can I say thank you and give you a kiss and maybe treat you to some food? She moved a delicate finger to her pouty lips and looked up like she was thinking very hard, then said in resignation. Hmm, I suppose that would be all right. George took her hand gently away from her mouth and pinned it against the mattress. Dawn wore a surprised look for a moment before she looked into his eyes and saw the emotion behind them. Her expression then changed to lustful anticipation. He leaned in and kissed her softly and sweetly on her cheek. Then, he moved deliberately to her other cheek and repeated. He kissed her forehead and her nose and then her lips. He only barely used his tongue as he let his lips slowly caress hers. He had only been kissing her for less than a day, but he felt this was a better way of showing her how he felt than any words he knew. He wanted his true affection for her to flow through his being and mix with hers. His mind and body no longer felt like they were his own anymore. In the spaces where before there was nothing, now there was Dawn, holding him together. He felt like the universe had suddenly opened up to him. Below him, Dawn moaned softly and struggled a little against George's restraints. She rubbed her thighs together and tried to get George to take more of her. But George held her back and continued his loving kiss. After either seconds or years, George couldn't tell which, he pulled away. He let go of her wrist and brought his large hand to her face where he brushed a strand of hair away. He then caressed her cheek with the back of his fingers. Thank you, Dawn, he said quietly. Thank you for the best day of my life. Dawn melted and gave George her heavenly gaze. She reached up to hold his hand. It took both of hers to fill up just one of his and kissed it like it was a child's favorite stuffed animal. Are you real? She whispered. Or are you a dream? I don't know anymore. And I don't care, so long as you're with me. He meant it. I am, she said. 
After a quick wish to be clean and comfortable so that they could have dinner together, George thought it would be nice to eat in his room where they could listen to some music. Dawn was back in her sky-blue pajamas and looked as peppy as ever. George was hungry and tired after the ringer his body and soul had been put through. He heated up the food from Waltz and served it up for them in his room. After a quick explanation of the menu, Dawn dove into her soup like it was a swimming pool and burned her mouth. After a few seconds of desperate fanning, George wished for her mouth to be fine so that he could kiss her. Tingle, flash. The burning was gone and she quickly shoved her tongue down his throat. Hey Dawn, what is that tingling in my head every time I wish for something? Oh, sorry, I probably should have explained that earlier. You see, in order for me to grant you the wish that you actually intend, I have been created to pull the definitions, desires, and perceptions of your wishes from your mind. So you are reading my thoughts? No, that would be an invasion of your privacy, and I would not do so unless you wished it. I am only reading what is relevant to your wishes. For instance, I know what, um, fucking my brains out, means to me. She blushed. And what it means on its own, but I took that meaning from you since it was your wish. I can stop if you prefer. But since my formation was a bit spotty because of your inexperience, it may be difficult for me to grant you the wish that you want. Oh, said George. But if you can take the exact meaning of my wishes from my head, why have I had to explain them? She shrank in bashful contrition. Well, I, um, like hearing you make your wishes. They are always so erotic and nice. Waiting for you to finish verbalizing your wishes is like the time you, um, went down on me. The anticipation and the build-up, and then the climax when you finally finish, it is almost as exciting as the wishes themselves. George couldn't help but remark at how cute she was trying to be demure and proper, when he knew she was just dying to say, The time you ate my pussy. He thought to himself that he had to do that again soon, as a reward maybe. Well, I can't say I can complain so far so, why don't I keep verbalizing and you keep reading? Thank you, master. She said happily. The two continued to eat in relative silence. George had put on a playlist he had once made consisting of a bunch of love songs. Dawn loved every single one of them and sang along with the chorus once she learned the words and the melodies. Once again, George was bewitched by her sweet and powerful singing voice. Just singing a cappella, she was easily outperforming the heavily produced starlets in the songs. Not to mention the fact that she was more beautiful than all of them combined. He stopped eating his club sandwich so that he could listen to her sing a quiet ballad. Her eyes had been closed, and she turned a dark scarlet when she opened them to find George staring at her googly-eyed. Dawn, can you sing a song for me? I would love to George. You like my singing? She asked flattered. Are you kidding? I've never heard a voice so amazing. You are like American Idol material. He laughed. Tingle. Eh, all right. She looked highly embarrassed. What would you like me to sing? Can you sing my song, the song that opened your vessel? Actually, George, it is my song. My mother wrote it for me. It was the first thing I heard when I entered the world as a baby. How do I know it then? You know it because you were meant to know it. Only someone who could truly appreciate a gift like a genie servant would know the song that ushered me into life. It took a very long time for that person to appear. But after two thousand years of waiting, here we are. George suddenly had the feeling that everything that had happened in his life, and his mother's life, and everybody else's lives had happened to bring him together with Dawn. And it was all thanks to this song. What is it called? He asked awestruck. It does not have a name, nor does it have any words. It is the sound of my mother's heart, wishing me a blessed life. Would you like to hear it? He nodded. She closed her eyes, sat up straight, and began to sing softly. It was his song, but it sounded so different the way she sang it. While his version tended to be hopeful towards the middle, it sounded like a funeral dirge in comparison to Dawn's quiet fearlessness. As she lost herself in the song she began to sway like some beautiful honey-haired serpent. Her lips trembled as she mouthed the gentle vibrations. George closed his eyes to listen more intently. The sound seemed to come from everywhere at once. The song filled him up with more hope than all of his renditions combined. As the climax of the song passed, George felt more peaceful and calm than he had ever felt. It was an unbelievable feeling. When the song ended and Don looked at him expectantly for his approval, he found himself unable to speak. The song had moved him beyond words. He gazed at her and tried to convey what he was feeling, but he was speechless. He could only nod. She nodded back. Their meaning was clear, nothing more needed to be said. The two finished eating. George was having trouble keeping his eyes open at this point, but he couldn't shake the fear that she was going to be gone when he woke up again. 
He was trying to come up with more activities for them to do when Don fell over on the bed and hugged a pillow sleepily. He looked at the clock and, seeing that it was almost eleven, decided it was indeed that time. He cleaned up the remaining food, turned out the lights, and plopped down wearily beside her. Without any prompting, she snuggled up next to him. George tried to fall asleep, but his mind was working too feverishly to shut down. Don? He whispered. Yes, George. She didn't even open her eyes. Will you still be here when I wake up? I'll be wherever you are. She mumbled groggily. Promise? Hmm. Feeling slightly better but still uneasy, he said. Good night, Don. Good night, I love you, George. He started to reply but then he heard her breathing turn into light snoring, like that of an exhausted puppy. After a few long minutes of listening to her rhythmic white noise, George finally closed his eyes and drifted off to sleep. Chapter 4 Frog Prince The early summer morning light fell across George's back and warmed him to the point of being uncomfortable. George was awake, but he couldn't bear to move, or breath, or open his eyes, for fear of joining the day without dawn by his side. Before she had told him, very naturally, that she loved him again the night before, she had promised that she would be there when he awoke. But George was fully prepared to find that all had been a wonderful dream and his normal crappy life would resume. He had been laying on his side facing Don's direction with his eyes closed for at least fifteen minutes before he thought he heard a stir from the other side of the bed. No, he thought. It was probably just the ceiling fan creaking. But the damage had been done. George was now intensely curious as to the origin of the disturbance and could no longer contend with the anticipation of the inevitable. Taking a deep breath to brace himself for the disappointment, he slowly opened one eye. And there she was. As beautiful as ever in her light blue cotton pajamas, Dawn breathed slowly and serenely as she slept. Her long, silky, feathered, golden-brown hair hung gracefully across her pillow. Her skin seemed to glow in the day's new light. The top of her pajamas was pushed up so that the bottoms of her breasts were clearly visible. He followed the lovely feminine curves of her waist and hips down to her long, toned, shapely legs. She had been facing him, and her gorgeous, almond-shaped, dawn-colored eyes were shut tight, her light pink lips curved in a dreamy smile. That was it then. She was real. She had promised him she would be there, and she was. George was overcome with relief. George carefully slid closer to Dawn and wrapped his arm around her ever so lightly in an effort not to wake her. Instinctively, she curled herself up until she was completely sheltered within his gentle embrace. Her sweet tea scent filled his nostrils. The sun on his back felt suddenly non-existent. Then it hit him. She was real. Now what was he going to do? What was he going to tell his mother? The truth he supposed, but she wouldn't believe him unless Dawn used her powers. But then it would have to be a sexual wish anyway, and George was not prepared to receive sexual favors in front of his mother. Where would she stay? He hoped with him, she would if he asked her to, but again his mom would never go for that. Even though he was nineteen, and his mother encouraged him to go out and meet girls, she had a standing rule of no girls sleeping over and no hanky-panky in the house. It had never been a problem before then, as no woman he had ever asked out agreed, let alone gone back to his place. But Dawn had no other home to go back to. She would have to stay with him. There was a spare bedroom, and his mom had flirted with the idea renting it out. But Dawn didn't have any money or a job. She didn't even have a last name, or anything that would prove she was a citizen of the United States. That alone was going to be a hurdle he had no idea how to go about solving. Suddenly, George felt Dawn stir below him. She moaned groggily and her whole body shivered as she shook out her morning cramps. George forgot his worries as he watched her open her eyes and all. It was like watching the sun rise. She met his gaze and smiled a happy, sleepy smile. Good morning, George. She moved in even closer to him and entwined her legs with his. She buried her face in his chest and scrunched her arms up between them. Mmm, this is the best way to wake up ever. She said, her voice was a bit froggy as it worked out the night's cobwebs. George had trouble responding. He had never imagined that waking up with someone would be so heavenly, and her display had left him a bit tongue-tied. I, uh, can't think of anything better. You will, George. I am a sexual genie servant after all, the possibilities are, numerous. She chuckled. The implications of what she said began to flood George's mind with ideas, one more lurid than the next. He suddenly became painfully aware of his morning wood lodged between them. Dawn must have felt him twitch, because she gave him an amused laugh. See? She said. Well, can you blame me? 
I mean, you are my perfect woman. I like how you give me little subtle hints though. It's fun. You say the sweetest things. What else do you like about me? She said with just a touch of pride. He thought for a moment, but all he could come up with was a fairly noncommittal. Well, everything. Hmm, no fair. I want specifics, mister. Whoa, whoa. Look who is all uppity this morning. Are we forgetting who is whose master? She reached down into his pants and began to rub the sensitive underside of his fully awake cock. You like it when I'm uppity. George was ready to blow at any second and was willing to let her keep going, but she stopped. Uh, not until you tell me what you like about me. She said pouting. But if you are especially nice, I could make this one really, really special. Her eyes narrowed and her smile suddenly turned irresistible. The thought occurred to George that he could just order her to continue, but that was a line he felt was unfair to cross. And besides, he knew she wouldn't leave him hanging. Okay, where to start? I love your hair. Why? She asked innocently as she began to lightly stroke his cock again. He reached out and ran his thick fingers through it, letting it cascade across his hand. Um, because it's long and thick and luxurious. Oh, luxurious is a good word. She wrapped her hands around his shaft and gripped him a little tighter. And it's, um, feathery and bright. It's funny how it starts out straight and then turns, like it suddenly had better things to do. I, uh, like the way it catches the light no matter where you are. It makes you look like an angel sometimes. She kept stroking him. A few drops of his precum slithered out, and she smeared it all around his throbbing head. Keep going. She whispered. Her top was lifting more and more with every stroke and her large perky orbs had come into full view. Her dark pink nipples were already hard. I love your tits. He said simply. She laughed divinely and gave him a playful look. Oh really? I don't believe you. If you really loved them, then you would be feeling me up already. The thought crossed my mind, believe me. But I have a feeling that if I get too involved in those babies, I'm not gonna be able to get out of bed today. Dawn pouted. Ah, uh, just a little squeeze. She squeezed his cock sharply, then batted her eyes at him. For me? George laughed. Man, these uppity genies nowadays. Okay, one quick grab. Of course that quick grab turned into more than a few minutes of intense fondling. She loved every second of it, cooing and whimpering as she tugged on his shaft. Why do you, like them? She managed. Just the size and the weight of them is, well, mesmerizing. They are big, but they don't look strange or out of place on your body. I can't explain it. Something about them just calls out to me that I should touch them. It's soothing. Like you said before, George, they are yours. I am just holding them for you. You can touch them whenever and wherever you like. I love the way you touch them. With one hand still massaging a perfect breast, he moved his other hand down the curve of her back and rested it on her jetting hip. I love your waist and your hips. Dawn had both her hands wrapped tightly around just the head of his cock and was slowly twisting them around in tight circles. You like my hips, do you? I bet I know why. She stopped her stroking, much to George's relief, he was dangerously close. She slid out of her pajama pants and threw one of her long legs over him so that his cock lined up with her dripping pussy. She took hold of his hands and placed them around her waist. You like my hips because you can use them to force me up and down your amazing cock. She had the tip of his cock kissing her outer lips and looked at him expectantly. George caught her drift and pushed her down the length of his shaft slowly. Dawn gasped as he entered her, her face contorted in ecstasy as her whole body quivered. George raised her up until he was almost out of her, then he lowered her down again. She was so light compared to him, with her legs helping him, it was like lifting nothing at all. What what else do you like, George? She moaned as she bit her lip. She kept her eyes glued to his face. Let it out, I know you want to tell me. I can see it in the way you look at me. You are afraid that I will think you stupid or weird, but I will not. I will accept it. I will. He dropped his hands to her smooth legs and traced the tight muscles and supple skin of her thighs. I he gulped. I love your long legs. They are like a dancer's legs, like, like a ballerina's. I like the way you always pose for me. Then he reached around and took hold of her firm ass. He slid her up and down his shaft a bit faster. And I love your tight booty. I think the guys at work would call it juicy. Suddenly, Dawn's vagina clenched, and she let out a loud lusty moan. Oh my! I have only been awake for ten minutes, and I'm already coming. She cried. George could feel his own orgasm approaching, but he was having too much fun to have to stop then. D-Dawn, I wish to hold off my orgasm until— until I finish telling you what I like about you. 
The tingle returned, as did the flash from her eyes. Oh yes, master! She leaned down and almost attacked his lips. Both of them immediately caught their first whiffs of the other's morning breath and backed away in momentary disgust. They both laughed hysterically. Okay, um, I wish that our breath always be fresh so that we can always enjoy each other's kiss. Declared George in as steady a voice as he could muster at the moment. Tingle, flash. She attacked him again even more vigorously and the morning breath was gone. It was replaced with a mild minty sensation that was refreshing without being overpowering. Her kiss was lustful, and it spurned him on to work his cock in and out of her faster. This time, though, he could feel himself constantly approaching an apex that he could never reach. He felt himself turn the corner, only to find another corner. But Dawn was not bound by such restrictions. While she could feel the pleasure she was giving him, she could also feel the pleasure he was giving her. She came again mid-kiss, she nibbled and sucked on his lower lip in response. The that is number two on the day. I love your wishes, George. Th, thank you so much for including me in them. She said breathlessly in between kisses. Please keep talking, just hearing you speak makes me come. Your voice. He said. I love your voice. It's so, girlish, and soft, but it can be powerful when you need it to be, like when you were singing those love songs. I was singing to you. She blurted out as she bounced up and down faster. Her tits flew in tight concentric circles in her useless tank top. She shucked it off and placed George's hands on them, making him knead them roughly. She squealed as her body quaked with a third orgasm. George was getting delirious. The build towards his explosion was making his head foggy and he was having trouble remembering what else he liked about her. He liked everything, he was serious about that, but she wanted specifics. It was a challenge to think straight, let alone come up with coherent compliments. As she came down from her euphoria to begin building towards it anew, Dawn gave George her heavenly look, the one that made him melt, and he remembered. I love your eyes most. The way you look at me, I never thought anyone would. Look at me like that. That did it. George came so suddenly that he didn't even have a chance to warn Dawn. She gasped sharply and threw her hair back as George pumped her hungry pussy full of his seed. George felt himself passing out as the pleasure overloaded his system. He awoke to find Dawn collapsed on top of him, breathing her ragged breaths and shaking periodically. His cock was still buried inside her. Be babe? He whispered. H hold on. S still see coming. Dawn said as her body shook a little more. He felt her vagina tremble as she spoke. Eventually, she came under control. She sighed heavily and contently. All right, I rescind my earlier observation. That is now the best way to wake up ever. George laughed and nuzzled her neck as he hugged her. She giggled sweetly in response. So how long was I out? Asked George. Tingle. Oh, I am sorry, I did not even realize you passed out. It must not have been for very long. Though, I was slightly preoccupied at the time. Hey, I bet. He chuckled. George? Said Dawn hesitantly. Yeah, babe? Do you really like all those things about me? George loved her modesty too. She was easily the most amazing creature to walk the earth in his mind, yet she was still bashful at his praise. I like even more things. I'm kinda surprised the wish let me off that easy. I can't grant any wishes that would cause you harm. If you had gone on like that much longer, you may have developed a mental condition. But forget that. You like me that much? George laughed amused. Well, yeah, I mean you're my perfect woman. If I can't like all of your qualities, then that would make you less than perfect. Wouldn't it? Her face scrunched up like she was thinking hard about something. What? You don't believe me? asked George. Oh, I do, George. Please don't take my confusion as an insult. I am still trying to come to grips with the idea that you do not want me to be your servant. Your notions of reverence for significant female others was not a widely accepted practice in my time. It is at odds with my built-in sense of subservience. You have noticed it already. There is the genie side of me that wants to follow your every command, then there is the dawn side that wants to be independent and strong only to be swept off her feet. Hence the uppity? She giggled. Partly, my makeup suggests that you like your women playful and willing. But the dawn part of me is so overcome with all this affection that she would be playful and willing even if she was not bound to you. When you put the two together, however, I am having trouble reconciling them. George shrugged. You'll get used to it. But, um, thanks for making me say all that stuff. This may sound, I don't know, lame, but it's been a fantasy of mine for a long time to be able to compliment a woman without them getting all offended. You are welcome, George. But I am confused. Do women of this time like not to be flattered?
Oh, they do, I think, just not by me usually. It's strange, they only seem to want compliments from guys they like. If it comes from somebody they aren't attracted to then the nice ones blow you off. The mean ones might just slap you, or if they are really cruel, use you for whatever reason. Well, as your new girlfriend, let me say that anytime you would like to compliment me or my. She gave a small cough. Attributes you may do so. The only reaction you would get from me is likely to involve an orgasm or two, or three. You would not even need to wish for that. Sounds good to me. They kissed again. He realized he had left that out when he was listing off the things he liked about her. He liked kissing her a great deal. Her lips were smooth and wet, not like his, which were cracked and dry. They were so addictive and inviting that he just wanted to make out with her constantly. He supposed that everyone was entitled to at least one good kiss in their life. He felt very lucky that he was destined to kiss her. After a blissful hour involving lots of unnecessary rolling around his bed, generous amounts of rubbing, and a couple of wish-inspired orgasms, George was starting to get hungry. Then he remembered that there was no food in the house. Then he remembered his mother's assignment to go food shopping. Remembering his mother reminded George of the real world and the unpleasant realities he would have to deal with again. Accepting that he could not prolong heaven any longer without suffering the consequences, George ended their play. He kissed Dawn on the forehead. What say we get ready for the day? I promised my mom that I'd go food shopping this weekend. And unless you want to sleep in the car, we had better come up with a way of explaining you to the family. One that doesn't include 2,000-year-old musical instruments. Fooey, I guess that means we have to get out of bed, huh? She pouted. Yep, sorry babe, real life rears its ugly head, said George as he made to leave the comforting confines of her tight hug. She reached for a sheet and rolled herself and George up in it as best she could. No, George, come back. Please. I'll do that thing you like. She giggled and jokingly made herself more innocent looking than they both knew she wasn't. George was sorely tempted to just lounge in bed all day, but until he could think of a way to wish his mother's chores away, he was going to need to have more willpower than Dawn seemed to. For her part, she was content on planting more sweet kisses on his neck and chest. Okay, you asked for it, announced George. She gasped as he hoisted her naked body up over his shoulder. She struggled for a few seconds, but stopped when she realized it was useless. She cradled her chin in her hand, blew a strand of hair out of her face in resignation, and smiled. George was eager to find out if lovemaking in the shower was as wonderful as he imagined it would be. But when he reached his bathroom, and took note of the cramped tub shower combination, he thought about how tight a fit it was just for him alone. Then he remembered his mother's master bathroom, and its large walk-in shower. He passed his bathroom and continued down the hall. George? Where are you taking me? Asked Don giggling. To the master bathroom, said George. But I thought we just passed it, she said cheekily. Very funny. He gave her a loud, playful, smack on her butt. She yelped in response. When they entered the large marble-tiled bathroom, George set Dawn on her feet. She immediately began stripping off his clothes as she sneaked playful grabs at his equipment. Once he was suitably naked, she bounded off for the shower, which was easily big enough to accommodate five people, and began the process of figuring out how the thing worked. But she stopped when she realized George wasn't with her. He was on the other side of the bathroom, examining his image in the full-length mirror on the wall. He looked sullen and deflated. George? Are you all right? Asked Dawn. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He sighed heavily, then made his way towards the shower to join her. As he was about to enter, Dawn opened the door and slid past him. She strode purposely to the spot where George had been standing. Master, could you come here, please? She asked quietly. Whenever she called him master, George took notice. Though it was supposed to be an honorific, a mark of her willing subservience, it had the same effect on George as his mother calling him by his full name when he was in trouble. He looked over at her somberly. Please, master? She pleaded softly. Her pure, loving look returned. George took a deep breath and walked over to her. Stand here, master. She directed him to her spot on the floor. Now, look into the mirror. She whispered serenely. Look at yourself. What do you see? Her voice was slow and peaceful. It echoed through his body. I see me. He said uncooperative. Look closely, master. I, I'm fat. Look again, what else do you see? Well, and my hair is too greasy. I have a few zits, that are kind of painful. Look deeper, master. Her voice was steady and calm. Well, I have too much hair on my legs, not enough on my chest. I have a nice collection of blackheads on my nose. 
My eyebrows are too bushy. What else? George could feel himself begin to tear up a little as he began to run out of things about his body that he hated, and his self-loathing turned inward. W. Why are you doing this? W. What the hell are you trying to do? He asked sternly as he tried to fight back his emotions. She remained unfazed. I am trying to understand how such a beautiful man could hate himself so. I just, I'm not. Yes, you are master. You are handsome, gorgeous, angelic even. And, not compared to you. Ah, I. What is it, master? You are safe. Tell me. He took another deep breath and looked away from his reflection. I don't understand how someone so perfect can think that I'm beautiful. I don't deserve you. Dawn glided in front of him and pulled his chin down so that he met her gaze. Would you like to know what I see, master? Would you like to know why I believe myself to be blessed beyond measure? George didn't answer. He looked down and away from her, as a lonely tear fell from his wounded eyes. She reached up to his almost black hair and ran her fingers through its length to the back of his neck. George shivered as her delicate fingers brushed his scalp and entwined themselves amid the softer hairs at the top of his spine. I love your hair. It is thick and full, like a horse's mane, but it is also shiny, soft, and healthy. It is strong and dark, like hope at midnight. It smells of rain. She moved her hands around his neck and down his wide chest, to his belly. I like the skin here. She whispered as she ran her fingertips along his waist. It's soft and supple. Here around your middle, there is more to love and hold, and... She took hold of one of his love handles and gave it a light, playful pinch. George jumped a little. I like to make you squirm, just a little bit. She smiled impishly at him. George's defenses were leaving him again. He was afraid of where she was going, but he didn't dare stop her. Part of him, a part he had known long before her emergence, wanted desperately to be broken down, destroyed, so he could leave it all behind and start over. She knelt before him and traced the lines of his thigh muscles. I love your legs. They are coiled, full of energy, like they are just waiting to spring forward. Her proximity to his cock was starting to have its now familiar effect. She giggled at his obvious arousal. I think my affection for Hot Stuff Jr. has been well documented, so I will leave him alone for now. She stood, slowly, and pulled herself in as close to him as she could. She scrunched her arms up between them. George could feel her breast squash into his chest. I love your broad shoulders, and your thick arms. They are powerful, yet when they wrap around me I feel safe, and warm, like I am home, like I am where I belong. Instinctively, George reached up and hugged her tightly. He stroked the length of her hair. Dawn purred. I love those hands most of all. They are large and smooth. They send waves of pleasure through me wherever they meet my skin. They are healing and protective. They speak to me, they possess me. But all of these things, these qualities that I love, come from one powerful source within you. It is more powerful than all the genie kings combined. It is your heart. When others would have given in to grief long ago, yours shines in the dark. You give it to me freely without even realizing it. Yet, you still do not believe you deserve mine in return. She looked up into his eyes with her heavenly look. She said nothing for a few very long moments. She just looked at him. He felt awkward and frightened, and he couldn't understand why. He thought he should have been used to this by now. But her eyes unlocked parts of his soul he thought long gone. They demanded that he live by his heart, that he follow its every command, that he have a new day, every day. They were desires he thought had died along with. Your eyes. She whispered, her voice cracking. How can one so young have eyes like that? How can there be so much love, and so much pain, in one pair of beautiful brown eyes? George swallowed hard. I, hope you never find out. You do not have to tell me, but I hope you know that I am here for you. I cannot help you forget the past, not even a wish could do that. All I can do is help you move forward, but you have to want it, George. I do. All right, then the first thing we must do is let you love yourself on the outside. She moved beside him again and motioned towards the mirror. So, what do you want to change? He looked at his reflection, then dawn, then back to his reflection in disbelief. You mean, you can change how I look? Of course, George, I told you that yesterday. He suddenly remembered their encounter from the previous day, when George first wished that she feel his pleasure. She had listed off a number of abilities she had, but he hadn't been listening all that closely, due to her frenzied oral assault. So, I can wish to lose this weight, and it will be gone. That would be incredibly easy to do. I can make even more drastic changes than that. The only limits are your imagination, and my inability to do you harm. Okay then, I wish to lose thirty pounds. 
tingle flash. He watched his reflection shrink in various places around his body, mostly in his midsection, but also in his thighs, butt, and face. Though there was still a little extra flab here and there, he was already pleased at the transformation. His mind began to imagine all sorts of uses for this ability. Can I have, like, gills or something? Tingle. Yes, George. However, that would be highly unnecessary. Their only function would be to allow you to breath underwater. Thanks to my powers of protection, I can keep you from drowning indefinitely. Holy crap. Whispered George. What else can you protect me against? If it poses a threat to your physical well-being, anything. As long as you are my master, you will always be safe, unless you wish otherwise. And how long will that be? For as long as you would like it to be? Serious. She nodded. What about old age? She nodded again. You mean we can live forever? We may live for as long as you wish to live. Why would I not wish to live? I am sorry, George. That is not something I can answer. But if what you told me yesterday is true, you would probably have more of an answer to that than I would anyway. George suddenly remembered an incident that happened a year before. He had been invited to a high school graduation party, much to his surprise. But it turned out to be a joke. Someone spiked his drink and he didn't wake up until the next morning. His head and eyebrows had been shaved, and his clothes, wallet, and keys had been stolen. Luckily he had stashed a spare set of keys in a small container in the undercarriage, however, all but the windshield had been smashed, and the tires had all been punctured by nails. Someone had written, Loser, in bold red letters all around it. He managed to drive it home, but he had passed the pier on his way, and it took some doing to come up with an excuse not to drive off of it. Okay, I see your point. He said eventually. What else would you like to change? Can you protect me from diseases and sickness, keep me healthy? Tingle. Yes, George. Go for it. George's body suddenly felt very different. The leftover flab from before redistributed itself to parts of his body that needed it. His teeth were realigned to fit easily in his mouth, aches and pains he had grown accustomed to bearing were gone, and his skin was devoid of blemishes. When before, his body had felt like it was in the way, now it felt ready to do anything. He could now clearly see the lines of his muscles in his new leaner, meaner, exterior. He had never realized that he actually did have a six-pack underneath the keg. He looked over at Dawn through the mirror. So, how do I look? She smiled sweetly. You look very handsome, George. Better than before? No. She said simply. George frowned. Oh, what's wrong with it? He moved closer to the mirror to search for something he might have missed. There is nothing wrong, George. Then what? I am your genie. I will love you completely no matter what you look like. The only difference between the new you from the old you is that now, you are as beautiful on the outside as you are on the inside. If you like this version of yourself, then I will find it perfect. This is another one of those weird genie things, isn't it? Love is blind, George. She grinned. After he looked more closely, George still found a few parts of him that were less than perfect under close scrutiny. How about this? Make me as strong as a person of my height and build could possibly be. George's body suddenly blew up to the size of a contestant in the world's strongest man competition. His legs, arms, and chest thickened to obscene proportions. He felt wound and tight, and could barely move. Though he did feel incredibly strong, he also felt incredibly uncomfortable. Okay, undo that please. His body shrunk to its previously healthy state. Phew, that was weird. From his left, Dawn covered her mouth in an attempt to hide her laughter. Oh, you think that's funny, do you? I wish your tits were the size of basketballs. Dawn's once-perfect breast expanded to his determined dimensions. Hey! She crossed her arms in front of her new massive memories and glared at him. It was George's turn to laugh. What? Are you my perfect woman or not? She tapped her foot impatiently and shook her head in resignation. Men! Okay, okay, I wish for your breasts to be perfect again. They shrunk to their original size. Dawn let out a sigh of relief and cupped her breasts. Thank you, George. Without several more wishes from you, that could have been very uncomfortable. George reached over and ran his fingers lightly along the top of her cleavage. How big are they anyway? He asked as he stroked her breasts in reverence. Tingle. You mean in terms of cup size? Anywhere from a large D to a small E, depending on the bra maker. But George, are you implying that my tits need support? Maybe. Are you hiring? 
Yes, but I require an extensive interview, references, background check, a resume, credit report, a note from your mother, and a 500-word essay on why you are worthy to be in the same room with my breasts. George moved behind her. Dawn gave him a look through the mirror that seemed to say, How dare you! As he lightly grazed her sides with his fingernails and ran his hands all around the wondrous curves of her chest. Of course. She whimpered and let her head fall back against him. If you show a tremendous aptitude for the position, I could make an exception. George once again felt happy and whole as he enjoyed their closeness. He planted tender kisses on her neck and ears and cheeks while he drank in her scent. She cooed in response. With his new leaner body, he felt like he could get even closer to her. After a few minutes of generous fondling by both parties, Dawn pulled away and said, Hey mister, this is about your body, not mine. Sorry, I still like your body more. But then, I may be slightly biased. Hm, likewise, she said happily. So what else would you like to change? I'm not sure. I mean, I like how I look right now, but could you maybe make me more athletic? Give me endurance and speed and strength, nothing crazy like the Mr. Universe I turned into before, just above average and then some in all respects? Tingle. Yes, that should be fine, George. Okay, make it so. He laughed. Sorry, I always wanted to say that and have it actually mean something. Tingle. She giggled as the flash of gold sprung from her eyes and his body changed even more. He looked in the mirror and felt a sudden twinge of pride as he admired his good looks. He still recognized himself, but everything looked long, toned, and streamlined like an Olympic swimmer, only slightly bigger. He felt as light as air and he bounced a little off the balls of his feet. There was an energy coming from inside him that he had never felt before. He had never felt so good. Wow, this is cool. He whispered. He looked down between his legs and saw that although his manhood had been unchanged, it looked larger on his new body. Hey, can I make my cock longer? She couldn't contain her laughter. He smiled. Yeah, yeah, I know. Men, right? Can you do it or not? Yes, George I can make it longer. She said, rolling her eyes. Do you think it needs to be long? Oh, never mind. Love is blind, right? She nodded, then reached down and gave his cock a gentle squeeze. Okay then, I think I'm done for now. You like it, master? I sure do, he said excitedly. He bounced around a little bit more as he enjoyed his new spryness. But then he stopped moving and his expression turned sullen again. Dawn? Yes, master? Do you think I'm shallow? I mean, I've always tried to look past the outer shell and see people for how they really are. But my perfect girlfriend is an absolute goddess, and now I've made myself good looking to make me happy. Isn't that unfair or something? I do not think I am the right person to be asking that question, George. I am, as you say, biased. However, I think that if you remember what it felt like to be ridiculed for your appearance and are careful not to treat others that way, then one could hardly call you shallow. He nodded into the mirror. You're right. I have to keep my pride in check? Thanks, Dawn. George looked at Dawn through the mirror and noticed her lean her head against his now chiseled arm. She smiled demurely at him and sighed contently. And Dawn? Thanks for, well, everything. I'll make it up to you someday, I promise. She blushed. I know how you can start. She said wryly. Oh, do I have to spell it out for you? There is a fully naked and a very horny genie standing next to a very large and inviting shower. Should I start sending up smoke signals? Feeling invigorated, George quickly attacked Dawn's ribs in an effort to tickle her. She yelped and laughed her way into the shower with George close behind her. He turned on the water, and though it was cold at first, the duel was too hot to notice. Chapter 5 The Heart Remembers The water streamed across George and Dawn's entwined bodies. It traced the lines of George's lean muscles and caressed Dawn's impossible curves. They kissed and embraced and joined over and over, enjoying a closeness that neither had felt in their short time together. George cleaned her first, starting with her golden brown hair, which looked and smelled just as intoxicating wet. He lathered up his hands and slowly ran his hands over her lithe and curvaceous form, like he was a sculptor rubbing out the rough edges, as if she had any. Her smooth back, her pert breasts, her taut stomach, her luscious ass, her bountiful hips, long thighs and calves, in between her cute little toes, the folds of her sex, nothing was forgotten in his mission to worship his goddess made flesh. Dawn returned in kind, her lips led the way for her lathered hands as she kissed her way up his powerful legs, washboard abs, tight butt, broad chest, and his lips that trembled every time they kissed. Her soapy hands didn't forget his member, 
and expertly stroked him until she could no longer wait to have him inside her. George lifted her up even more easily than he had before, and took her against the slick marble wall. It was a long, blissful build filled with Dawn's sweet words of encouragement, followed by her cries of joy and ecstasy. For George, all sense of self and time had ceased. His body hadn't grown tired, his mind wasn't elsewhere, and his soul was no longer pacing the sidelines in wistful envy. His only thoughts were of her, of them. The only time he spoke was to wish for more streams of hot water to flow over them like a waterfall from all directions. The steamy cascade cleansed, soothed, and rejuvenated them, as they lost themselves in the pleasures of the other. While George had only dared to hope that dawn would even be there that morning, he could never have imagined Sunday being any more spectacular than Saturday. But this day was already shaping up to be even better than the last. He had woken up to a stunning display of affection and flesh, she had given him the body he had always wanted, and then they had melted into each other through the hot, steamy air. George was counting his blessings as often as he could. He wasn't going to mess this up, he swore. By the time they finished towing each other off from their soaking wet romp, which threatened to start another, and headed back to George's room to get ready for Dawn's first venture into the outside world, it was already noon. George stopped short at the doorway when he noticed just how ridiculously messy his room was. He entered by stepping over an old skateboard, a holdover from his days of trying to be cool, and began picking up piles of clothes and shoving them in his closet while simultaneously trying to hold his towel shut. Dawn entered behind him and helped by picking up his various action figures and collectibles and stashing them artistically around the room. She was careful to hold her towel close to her while she worked, but her repeated bending over was giving George the most delightful show of her toned legs and towel-wrapped cleavage. She didn't seem to be trying to turn him on, it was just how she was, unconsciously sexy. After it was clear that his closet was filled beyond what it was designed for, George was forced to reevaluate his plan of keeping everything out of sight. He needed a system, a seating chart for all his junk, something that would help him stay organized. But he didn't really feel like figuring all that out at the moment. Maybe this was a good time to use a wish. He had done it before, why not again? But why had the room returned to its hurricane-like state after his wish? Hey Don, how come my wish for the room to fit the mood better wasn't permanent? Because you wished it to fit the mood and that mood was not permanent. Once the mood changed, the room went back to its original state. Okay then, I wish the room to change back to when it fit our mood perfectly. Tingle. She pouted. Sorry George, that wish is not sexual enough. Huh? Didn't you already grant that wish before? No George, forgive me. At the time there was a very romantically charged mood in the air. Your wish for it to fit the mood was to facilitate us having sex, and so was quite sexual enough for the wish to go forward. However, your current desires are not related to sex, only the sense that the room is dirty and you want it cleaned. Okay, then how do I word the wish so that it is sexual enough? Sorry George, I cannot help you with the formation of your wishes, as much as I would like to. She said apologetically. George thought hard about how he could keep his room from looking like he was a shut-in. He had never cared up until he met Dawn, as there had never been a reason to. His mother was the only other person besides himself that ever dared venture into his room. But thanks to his new desire to take better care of himself and Dawn, he figured it was time to start living like normal human beings did, and not a rabid animal waiting for his cage to be cleaned. But he wasn't really sure how he wanted the room to look. Start small, he thought. Okay, how about this, Dawn? I wish my clothes to be clean and pressed, to make me look as good to other women as possible. And that they smell fresh, with just a hint of whatever turns on the woman who smells it. Tingle, flash. Done, said Dawn happily. The clothes he had tried to pile up in his closet had been folded and arranged into small stacks. The room began to smell better immediately. Hey, not bad. He nodded smugly. Maybe this wishing thing wasn't so hard after all. He turned his attention to the action figures scattered around his room that Dawn had begun to arrange so elegantly. Could I wish for my collectibles to be arranged in a way that would give me an air of sophistication, rather than childishness? Tingle. Yes, but you would have to add some sex in there somewhere. Well, don't women prefer sophistication over childishness? Some do, many do not. It depends on the woman. Ah. Well, you're a woman, what do you prefer? Whatever you like. Oh shit, right. Remember George. What if I wanted them arranged in a way that would make the greatest percentage of women more attracted to me? Tingle. That could work. Okay, let's try that. Flash. Almost all of his toys were gone, with only a handful scattered around his desk in an interesting battle. A few had been converted to bookends. 
His video games were lined along the bottom of it, almost completely hidden from sight. All but the most rare of his comics had disappeared. Those that were left had been framed and hung tastefully around the room. George was a bit surprised, he had expected that everything would have a place somewhere in his room. As it turns out, most women don't prefer to see dork doodads all over the place, huh? Don shrugged. Sorry George, if it were just me, I would let you place them wherever you pleased. I quite like them. She picked up a robotic-looking figurine and made a gesture like she was shooting at him. I know, you're one of the good ones. He looked around, expecting his things to be piled up in a corner somewhere, but they were nowhere in sight. So where is the rest of my childhood? The rest of your collectibles are in your closet. The comics are wrapped in plastic with cardboard backings, and the action figures have been secured in bubble wrap inside a large plastic box. Nice, how did you know to do all that? From you. I was unaware that people took such care of their toys. Well, you wouldn't know it from looking at the way I took care of them. But I'm only a casual collector. I'm not hardcore about it like some people. He turned his attention to the bed. This should be easy. He thought. He clapped his hands together in resolve. He was starting to get into the spirit of wishing. Okay, I wish the bed to be big, comfortable, and sexy looking, so that it's worthy of facilitating sex with the hottest babe I've ever laid eyes on. Tingle, flash. And who might that be? Dawn giggled as she caressed the closest post of the new bed. It was a four-post once again, made of dark wood, with exquisite carvings running along the posts and frame, not unlike the ivory carving on the tar from which Dawn had sprung two nights before. Covering the soft-looking mattress was a set of beautiful white sheets, with patterns resembling smoke. There were far more pillows than George would ever use thrust up against the head of the bed, but he imagined Dawn would find a use for them. The bed reached all the way to the ceiling where the fan had been removed, and large diaphanous curtains swooped down along the sides to provide some semblance of privacy for the action that would surely be taking place soon. It dominated the majority of his room though, and while it did fit, moving around would require crawling over the bed to get to anything. You like? Hinted Dawn, as she crawled onto the bed to give him a fantastic view of her body, her blue eyes sparkling up at him. Almost. It's just a bit large. George ran his hand along his chin as he tried to figure out a way to keep the bed as it was, but there just wasn't enough space in his small bedroom. Man, I wish the room was big enough to be a killer sex pad, but there just isn't enough space. Tingle, flash. The room suddenly became much larger, easily the size of his mother's master bedroom. The enormous bed fit snugly against one wall. George's mouth hit the floor as he surveyed the changes wrought by his unintentional wish. Along with his towel, which he had forgotten to hold closed. Dawn giggled again. Man, I wish my master was naked. George realized a sudden nudity and took great effort to suppress the urge to cover up. Instead, he leaped onto the bed on top of Dawn and began tickling her everywhere. And no, no, stop! She squealed, though she made no attempt to stand in his way. George let up for just a moment to grab a pillow, and Dawn quickly scrambled to do the same. Soon they were across from each other on the bed, with pillows poised to strike. For some reason, George felt unwilling to strike her. Even with a pillow and for fun, hitting her didn't feel right. He dropped his pillow slowly like a gunslinger in surrender. Dawn eyed it closely and once his hands were off of it, she smacked him good upside his head, then tackled him in a barrage of pillow and towel and breasts. George could only laugh at the betrayal, and let Dawn have her way with him. She quickly lost interest in pummeling him, however, and shifted her focus towards tickling him, and finally kissing him. She straddled him, pinned his wrists to the bed, and bounced triumphantly. I win! She beamed. George took the opportunity to ogle her unbelievable body, and the view of her cleavage created by her bent position over top of him. Are you sure? He mused. He pushed her forward with his knee and craned up with his neck to reach the edge of her towel with his teeth. He yanked it down, prompting a squeal from Dawn, who let go of his wrists to cover herself. Hey. No fair. You have fewer parts to worry about. Call it a draw? She eyed him suspiciously. For now. We will continue this later, Buster. She rolled off of him and fixed her towel. George looked around the room some more. He noticed that with its new size, the room looked rather stark. Hey Dawn, what else could we do to this place? Well, if it were my room, I would want to make it a bit more cozy. Maybe add some candles, a larger window with some nice curtains and there are a few other adjustments I would make here and there. That sounds really nice, actually. Would you say that having those things in here would get you more in the mood to do it? Nope, I already want to do it all the time. 
Some smelly candles and more natural light are not going to get me any more willing. Would it make other girls more willing? Some. I wish the room to fit yours, and those other girls you mentioned, general idea of a love nest so that if I ever do bring one home, they'll feel that much more ready to make hot, passionate, sticky love with me. Tingle and flash. The room transformed once more. It was still large enough to fit his new bed, but his bookcase, desk, dresser, and end tables were now made of the beautiful dark wood furniture to match. There was also a new large wooden trunk at the foot of his bed. He noticed that the knobby waist-high bookcase that had been hidden in his closet was now sitting underneath the window, which had nearly doubled in width and had been framed by long curtains to match those on the bed. George was impressed. Now this, I could get used to. He said as he walked around the room without having to step over a pile of clothes, a feat that impressed him all on its own. You like? Asked Dawn from her perch at the foot of the bed. Hell yeah, I do. You got good taste, babe. He picked up his towel and wrapped it around himself once more. Looking around some more, he found a chrome pole extending from floor to ceiling near the center of the room. What's this thing for? Dawn didn't answer. Instead, she leaped from the bed and swung her body around the pole. She pulled off a few athletic and sexy moves before landing next it. She rubbed her whole body up and down like it was a giant phallus and smiled seductively at George. Okay, that answers that question. George turned towards his new room and frowned. Is something wrong, George? Is it not what you wish for? Well, yes. It's great Dawn, really. I was just thinking about how I am going to explain this to my mom. He looked down at his new body. All of this. Dawn continued to playfully spin around the pole, like she was born on one. If you prefer George, you do not have to explain anything. What do you mean? When it comes to protecting our safety and our anonymity, my powers are no longer restrained. I can make it so that nobody will think it odd that you look different than before. Or if you prefer, I can make people believe you have always looked this way. As for your room, I can keep it looking this way when it is just you and me, but when anyone else comes in, it will look as it did before. Well, maybe not exactly like it did before. So not even my mom will notice the changes? Correct, unless you want her to. What about the outside of the house? Won't she be a little curious to know why the second floor is suddenly larger than the first? The house will look no different from outside, even in its current state. Nice. She giggled. In order for me to properly blend into my environment and avoid suspicion from your wishes, genie servants are allowed to do almost anything. This was put into place long ago, to allow masters to live their lives without fear of drawing unwelcome attention from those who would seek to disrupt our arrangement. George had been watching her dance on the pole in a half days, wondering how her towel was staying on despite her movements, but his attention snapped back to their conversation at the mention of reprisals. Disrupt our arrangement? Who would want to do that? He asked. In my time there were all sorts of people who would murder entire nations to get their hands on a genie servant. Not to mention, plenty of magical beings who would seek to use us for their own ends, or even attempt to steal me from you outright. If I am to be your ideal companion, then I must not attract attention from those who would do us, or the people you love, harm. You mean, there are other magical beings out there, besides genies? Dawn pulled herself onto the pole and hung upside down for a second. In my time, yes, but now I am not so sure. Magic of all kinds was a much more accepted notion than it is today. This could mean one of two things. Either they have gone so far underground that their existence has faded into legend, or they have disappeared entirely. George's mind raced with the possibilities. Dragons and demons and witches? Could they all really exist out there somewhere? Can you, like, detect them somehow? No, George, I am sorry. She said simply as she enveloped the pole between her towel-encased globes. It had somehow morphed into strapless towel dress he had seen a woman wear on the beach once. I could only do so if one of them intended you harm. At the moment we are quite safe. However, if I come across any, I would be able to detect that someone was hiding something magical, though I might not be able to determine how right away. If you like, I will keep you informed of anything odd, just in case. Um, okay, he said dumbly. She continued to dance despite the more serious nature of the conversation. George was becoming increasingly distracted as he watched her long graceful legs twist around the pole. She had never mentioned she could dance too. He shook his head sharply in an effort to snap himself back into reality. Hey, stop that! I'm trying to get us out the door, he said in mock agitation. She stopped and giggled. Ah, uh, are you sure you do not want to take advantage of some of the opportunities your new room offers? He approached her and kissed her gently on her full lips. You have no idea how good that sounds to me. 
But I can't wish for food, right? Tingle. Not unless it is for a sexual purpose, or for your protection. Well, I can't figure out a way to use instant pudding for protection. As for the sexual, we'll get back to that. He grinned. George started going through his clothes looking for something, anything, that would fit him. None of his clothes had shrunk with him, and he was becoming a bit worried that he would have to send Don out alone in order to get him a change of clothes. After throwing a few sets of now ridiculously oversized board shorts on the floor, Don suggested that he go in the buff. But he laughed her off. George, if I may, I notice from the pictures that you are similar in size to your father. Perhaps there are still some of his clothes around that would fit you. Um, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I'll go look. He marched off to his mother's closet. Sure enough, in the back and wrapped in plastic, was a row of his father's old clothes. As George looked through them he found himself bombarded by memories. They came flooding into his mind in a wash of bittersweet associations. He could remember the time his father wore that t-shirt during one of his ball games, or the night he wore that tie as he walked through the front door and kissed George's mother like his life depended on it. Eventually, he settled on a pair of black trousers made of some very thin material, and a white buttoned-up shirt. He could roll the sleeves up and leave it untucked. It would be passable in the heat until he could get some new clothes. Unfortunately, he would have to go without underwear, which wasn't something he was accustomed to doing. He looked at himself in a mirror, and he realized that Don had been right. He did look amazingly like his father. His hair was slightly longer, and quite a bit more shaggy. He had inherited his mother's slightly narrower jawline and her large sensitive eyes. But the resemblance was still uncanny. The one thing George felt he was missing was the calm confidence his father always exuded. It wasn't the overbearing cockiness that some men put out, merely the self-assurance of a man who knew who he was and had nothing to prove. That confidence was something George had always tried to emulate, but after his father's death he retreated further and further into his own little world and lost whatever budding self-assurance he might have had. When he arrived back in his room, he was treated to the amazing sight of Dawn trying to decide what to wear. She switched magically between one ensemble to the next so quickly that George had trouble telling them apart. When Dawn noticed he was watching her she slowed down and took the time to pose sexily for him so that he could give her the yay or nay. After flipping between what seemed like dozens of outfits, some of which were more like costumes or lingerie, they settled on a tight sky blue tank top with a lacy white one underneath, and pair of very small and clingy cargo shorts that hugged her amazing ass in a firm grip. Her hair fell in a thick single braid down to the middle of her back with a light blue bow at the end. Her cute belly button was left exposed. She had to pout heavily to leave the bra behind, but George allowed it as long as there wasn't too much cleavage. The result left her breasts swaying and jiggling freely with every bouncy step, so much so that George wondered what was sexier, her cleavage, or the promise of what lay beneath. Before leaving Dawn produced a purse to match her outfit and placed one of her books inside it. George didn't see which one, but was pleased that Dawn was already doing things on her own. He wasn't sure what she was capable of outside their magical bond but he was certain that he wanted her to have as much freedom as her nature would allow. Dawn stepped into the hot muggy midday sun and stopped to absorb the sensations. She drew in a deep breath through her nose and savored it like she was on a cooking show. George watched as she slipped her sandals off and leaped barefoot into the grass of the front lawn and spun around. He imagined what it must be like for her, to feel the breeze, the sun, and the grass for the first time. She was so excited at the wealth of new experiences that she could barely contain herself, and they hadn't even left the yard yet. How long have you wanted to do that, babe? He asked half laughing. She stopped her spinning and stumbled just a bit as she caught her balance. Since yesterday morning? I debated going outside while you slept, but I wanted you to be here for it. I'm glad you waited, he said softly. Her childlike delight and the simplest things made him look at the world around him in a whole new light. It's like you were born yesterday. I feel like I've been born every day, she said as she flashed him her dazzling smile. They climbed into George's car, an old four-door sedan with the bumper falling off, and headed out into the world. Dawn was a blur of activity as she examined the entire contents of the car, including everything in the glove compartment, the center console, underneath her seat, and whatever she could find in the back seat, before turning her attention to the various buildings they passed as well as the other cars. They passed a mini-mall with a large two-story shop on the end that looked awfully bizarre even to George, who had driven by it numerous times. Don asked, George, what is that place? I'm not sure, I've never been in there. I guess they sell kind of obscure stuff, like antiques and old books and whatnot. She bounced in her seat. Wow, can we go there sometime, George? George looked at her oddly. 
Why would you want to go there? She shrugged. Why would you not? It is not far from your home. Why not explore? George was struck by the simplicity of her argument. Why hadn't he visited the strange shop? I guess there wasn't anything in there I really needed. People rarely need such oddities, even in my time. I suppose I do not really need to go, but I have never seen such a place and I think it would be fun. Dawn looked at him imploringly. He looked back with a raised eyebrow. Finally, she folded her fingers together and pleaded cutely. Please, ease. Okay, okay, he said laughing at her comical expression. On our way back we'll go look at some weird shit. Yay, she squealed. She bounced up and down in her seat excitedly while her breasts jiggled underneath her shirts. George was mesmerized by the sight until he heard a car honk at him as he started drifting into another lane. He quickly righted the car. As sorry about that, said George embarrassed. Dawn smirked and said, George, were you staring at my boobs? George blushed. Maybe a little. She leaned over to him and nuzzled his neck while she caressed his broad chest. W, what are you doing, Don? Punishing you for staring when you should be touching. She whispered. She slid her hand down to his thigh while she licked his ear. George's cock sprang to attention and strained the thin material of his slacks. George struggled to keep both hands on the wheel and his concentration on the road, but her proximity to his throbbing hard-on was pulling his attention south. Her mouth on his ear and neck was driving him wild. Once they were stopped at a busy intersection, George let himself enjoy her assault. Then, just as he thought she was about to reach for his member, she instead pointed to the car in front of them. Hey George, check out that license plate. Huh, said George as he snapped back to reality. Directly in front of them was a jeep filled with several girls in bathing suits, obviously on their way to the beach. The plate read you wish. It took him a second to understand what it meant beyond its initial wording. Dawn's hands had moved away from his crotch and wrapped around his neck. She giggled and kissed his temple before moving back to her seat. George playfully pushed her. You little punk, he said as he tickled her with one hand. She laughed and pleaded for relief, but she made no attempt at stopping him. I am so getting back at you for that one. Promises, promises, mused Dawn. Did you actually change the license plate? She playfully gasped. How dare you assume that I would use my powers in such a frivolous manner? A coincidence, I assure you. You're right, said George. Okay, seriously, we need to find a way to explain you to my mom. Any ideas? Could we not just say that I am your new girlfriend? Dawn's attention seemed to have reverted back to the outside world as they drove on, but toned down her enthusiasm for a moment, sensing that George wanted to have a serious conversation. We could. Actually, we will, but I was thinking more in terms of the fact that you have no home, no family, no friends, no job. I mean, if anyone asks how we met, how will we answer? Hmm, well, I can come up with most of my background on my own, as part of my power to blend in with my environment. I can't create people, though, so my explanation will have to include my lack of family and friends. As for a job, well, I don't have one of those. What about a driver's license and a birth certificate and all that? I can provide myself with those as well, however, I will need a surname in order to form a complete picture. Hmm, thought George. You can't come up with one of those on your own? No, sorry, George, that responsibility lies with you. George thought hard as he ran through a number of names in his head. We could always go with a normal-sounding name like Smith or Anderson or Johnson. Like any of those? Dawn looked less than thrilled about them. I will like any name you pick for me, George, as long as you like it. No, no. It has to be something we both like. It's not every day you get to pick your own name, you know. Are there any names that you like? Well, I haven't heard that many yet. I did like the name you gave me in the fantasy yesterday. What, Honeywell? He laughed. Babe, you aren't a Bond girl. Well, not yet anyway. Tingle. Oh my. She giggled. Well, at least it is not pussy galore. But you are right, we should find something less, suggestive. George tried hard to think of a name that would be interesting but not contrived, but nothing grabbed him as perfect. He conceded defeat as he pulled into the parking lot of the supermarket. He would have to think of one soon though. His mother was coming home on Monday. George, I like your name. Could I not be Dawn Everhart? She smiled widely. We'd have to get married first, and you would have to put up with people calling you Smellyfart. Laughed George. Okay. She shrugged and climbed out of the car. George lingered for a moment as the meaning of what she had said sunk in. Marriage? Under normal circumstances he would have thought she was trying to make fun of him. But when it came to Dawn, 
he had a feeling she was completely serious. He got out of the car slowly. Dawn met him at his door, and as the two strode towards the entrance she reached for his hand. George took it without hesitation. Though it was small, its gentle pressure made him feel confident and strong. He walked very tall. The cool rush of the air conditioning hit George pleasantly as he passed through the supermarket's sliding doors. He entered first, pushing the cart, with Dawn close behind. She was so enthralled by the mechanized doors, however, that she just had to go back through them again. She giggled, and toyed with the doors some more. Then, on her sixth go, the doors remained shut, and Dawn almost smacked into them. After asking nicely, they opened again, and she joined George. She cast a weary glance back at the doors. George enjoyed the show immensely, as did several passers-by. Dawn blushed in mild embarrassment. Being a Sunday, the supermarket was packed with people hunting for the week's groceries. The two found it difficult to maneuver through the traffic of frantic mothers with bored children, the half-dressed teenage girls, and the agonizingly slow old ladies who used their carts as walkers. It was rare that he found a semi-private moment to chat with Dawn about their situation. This was exacerbated by the fact that people seemed to be paying more attention to them than normal. He rationalized it as Dawn's beauty getting the better of them. For her part, Dawn's childlike exuberance was in full force. As they entered the fruits and veggies section she stopped to examine every piece of produce in the bins, picking them up and squeezing them, enjoying the different textures and shapes. She loved the earthy smells mixed with the cool air of the store. She was as vibrant as the cornucopia of colors on display. George found himself bewitched as she twirled around the cases of food. Her bright smile and obvious joy ensured that George would never consider a trip through the produce aisle a chore ever again. George noticed other men enchanted with her as well. He suddenly felt inadequate as several of them tried to move casually in her direction, resembling nothing other than sharks circling a particularly tasty bit of prey. But when they started to move in, Dawn would cuddle up to George and touch him affectionately as she showed him her latest discovery. Even George could see what she was doing. She was making it known that she belonged to him. George responded by resting his hands on her hips and stomach. He even dared to sneak a kiss in full view of several onlookers. She dropped the potato she had been admiring and kissed him back. When it was over, George couldn't help but notice the men around them looking deflated and more than a bit disappointed. With the gaggle of testosterone finally giving up, he felt like it was safe to talk to Dawn about more pressing topics. So, how did we meet? asked George. Dawn had gone back to her gleeful examinations of all the food. She was now on to peppers. Well, you said you found my vessel at your work. I suppose that was when I first came into contact with you. Could we have met there? Hmm, that's not bad. Only thing is, I work at a college's pool facility. The only way we could meet there is if you were a student or a faculty member. And that still leaves us with how I got there in the first place. Hmm, thought Dawn. Maybe we could start from the beginning and work our way to the present. That would help my life develop more organically. Sounds pretty smart to me. Dawn blushed. Thank you, George. And thank you for liking smart girls. That wasn't something most men would have encouraged in my time. Believe me, it isn't something a lot of men care about in this time either. The cart was quickly filling up with the bullet points of George's grocery list. With enough people out of earshot, George continued. So where would you like to be born? I would think somewhere in the U.S. would be the easiest. I was thinking that too, said Dawn as she sneaked a grape off of a bushel and quickly popped it in her mouth, her eyes closing in rapture as she bit into the sweet fruit. Somewhere far from here would be best. Doesn't get much farther than the southwest. How about? George went through all the states he could remember. Then he hit upon a city that seemed so perfect, he couldn't help but chuckle to himself. I've got it babe, Phoenix, Arizona. She lit up. This is fun. Hey, I've got a whole theme going now, huh? George, am I your symbol of rebirth? George grinned. So we have a place, now what? We'll need a reason why I have no family. The easiest to explain would be that I was abandoned and raised in an orphanage. That should work. Though a little sad. But then, why are you here, and not still in Arizona? The two quieted as an old woman passed by them. When she was far enough away, Don answered. In keeping with our theme of making things easy, perhaps I was bored with the desert and wanted a change of scenery. That's good. How about that, and you are trying to find a good college program to get into? Hey! I like that. Could I have had really good grades in high school? She bounced up and down some more which drew some more attention from the various looky-loose. Even though George was trying to stay inconspicuous, he couldn't help but be swept up in her excitement. He smiled brightly. Hell, make it a perfect GPA. 
that will make it easier for us to find you a good school. Hey, why not make that the reason you were at my work, you were checking out the school and felt like using the pool? She clapped her hands together excitedly. And you being the great guy that you are, let me have a quick dip. She playfully flung herself at George in an enchanted pose and batted her eyes at him. And the rest is history, she said in a dreamy voice. George hugged her and kissed the top of her head. Sounds good to me. What else are we missing? That's all the important details I can think of for now. I can create the rest on my own. Unless you have any more suggestions? No, I think that covers the most important parts. We can flesh it out later if we need to. If you're happy, I'm happy, babe. Let me know if you need any more help. Thank you, George. She sang happily. With all the fruits and vegetables crossed off his list, George pushed the cart over to the deli section and grabbed a number. There was a considerable line, so the two had time to talk. So, George, I know much about you thanks to him. She looked around to make sure nobody was listening and then continued in a quiet voice. Thanks to what I know about me. But I would like to know more. Like what? Just some background details. Like, where are you from? When were you born? What were you like as a child? What is your family like? Things like that. Okay, those are fair questions. Typically those are the kind of things that are found out on the first date. George stood up straight in a sudden realization. Hey, are we having our first date? Don giggled. Do you have sex with all your girlfriends before the first date? A woman in front of them turned to be in a better listening position. George was slightly embarrassed and answered in a conspiratorial whisper. Only the really hot ones. Dawn hid her laughter behind her delicate hand and whispered back. How about after? How about during? Dawn smiled wickedly at him. If master wishes it. She pressed herself against him and reached down to caress his cock through his trousers. He had been nursing a semi-hard on since her teasing in the car. Now, her touch drew him to his full length easily and it strained the flimsy material. Hey, hey, hey. He whispered. I'm not wearing any underwear here. You are going to get me in trouble. She looked up at him with a wounded puppy dog expression. You mean master does not desire his lover's attentions? I do, but not here. He stammered. Dawn immediately took her hands away from George's turgid shaft. The bulge in his pants was almost comical. Very well, George. But please do not keep me waiting too long. It has been exactly one hour, forty-seven minutes, and four seconds since you last made me realize how lucky I am to be your genie. George's erection ached for attention. It was unlike any need he had ever encountered. He realized that since her emergence his libido had been indulged to the utmost, and he was already becoming addicted to her touch. The fact that she was still pressed against him and gazing at him hungrily was not helping. You aren't going to make this easy for me, are you? She reached around and pinched his behind. George jumped in response. Not even a little bit. Said Dawn with a gleam in her eye. Finally, it was their turn to order. The man behind the counter took one look at Dawn and offered free samples of all the items George ordered. She accepted them gracefully and moaned appreciatively as she tasted the cuts of meat he offered. Though George only ordered a pound of each item, the packages felt a bit heavier than that. They continued down the aisles of the store. Again, they found it difficult to talk openly without being overheard. Dawn engaged every person they passed, either by making a quick joke or sexy taunt. George couldn't help but feel a bit proud at the reactions Dawn was getting from others. Though Dawn seemed to be a shameless flirt and loved to ham it up for the crowd, she never looked at anyone the way she looked at George. Her flirtations, while somewhat over the top, were always directed in a way to excite him. The fact that others found her attractive didn't make him feel jealous at all. It only seemed to make him want her more. Eventually, George gave up trying to be discreet. They talked freely as they moseyed down the cereal aisle. I was born on February 14th. I'm 19 years old. My mom's name is Jessica, my dad's name was Henry. I have two half-sisters, Haley is eleven and Corina is five. I was born here, and up until yesterday, was certain that I would die here. Why is that? Dawn frowned. It's the nature of the place. It's comfortable. It's close to a few major cities that let you get your fill of the busy life. But it's far enough away from them that you can just not worry about it if you don't want to. Not too much crime, it's got a beach, it's temperate, it's just, easy. But now you do not think you will end up here? Nah, it's a cool place, but I've always wanted to get out there and see something different you know, see the world. I just never felt motivated enough to actually do it. Having you with me has kind of changed my whole outlook on things. Dawn brightened. You mean it? 
I have really done all that for you. George nodded. She blushed, but couldn't hold back her glorious smile. That is the nicest thing you could have said to me. She walked with George silently for a few moments, her interest in the rest of the store suspended while she savored her thoughts. Finally, she floated back to reality and added, So, where should we go? I haven't thought that far ahead yet. But I guess it really doesn't matter. As long as I'm with you, I think it would be the most fun I've ever had. Just going to the supermarket with you today is more fun than I have ever had in my entire life. Dawn placed her delicate hand on George's much larger one as they walked, and gazed up at him with her adoring eyes. I am having fun with you too, she said. George's felt like someone was tap dancing in the pit of his stomach. While he no longer doubted that she loved him, it still made his head spin to hear her express her affection towards him so freely. He gazed back into her vibrant loving eyes, savoring the moment as he guided the cart. However, either was watching where they were going. George steered the cart directly into a display of fruit snacks and toppled the whole thing over. George cringed as he listened to the thud of the display as it hit the floor. Dawn broke down into hysterics, and George joined her, even though he felt incredibly dumb. He thought to himself, as the two did their best to clean up and repair the display, that if this had happened a few days ago he would have been mortified. Now he just giggled along with Dawn as they tried to clean up the mess. After grabbing a box of chocolate frosted sugar bombs for his sisters and box of complete for his mom, George let Dawn pick a box of cereal for her own. Actually, Dawn just threw in a box of Genie Krispies with new magic lamp marshmallows. He knew they would be gross, but he wasn't about to stop her. George went through his list to find out what he needed next, when he realized he had forgotten to grab some bananas. I will go get them, George. Offered Dawn enthusiastically. Without waiting for his answer, Dawn skipped down the aisle back towards the fruits. When she rounded the corner and disappeared, George couldn't help but feel a sense of loss. He stood in the middle of the aisle feeling uncomfortable without Dawn's cheerful banter to fill in the empty spaces. He was passing the time by examining other brands of cereal when he heard his name being called from the end of the aisle. Is that you, George? George turned around, a box of fruit OS in his hand, and sank at what he saw. Tammy Breckers was pushing her cart towards him. She had been one of his worst tormentors in high school. Not that she played overt pranks on him like her boyfriend Brad was known for, but George always noticed a perverse pleasure in her face whenever she had the chance to add insult to injury. He waved hello, unable to speak. Wow, George, you look so different. Have you been working out or something? She grabbed for his bicep and George instinctively flexed as he made to move his arm out her reach. Um, yeah, I guess. I thought so. I remember you being so heavy back in high school. Who would have thought you'd become such a hunk? She was eyeing him like he was a centerfold in a magazine. They stood in silence for a few uncomfortable seconds before Tammy finally asked. So, George, how have you been? George was a bit bewildered. She had never even given him the time of day, let alone showed any concern over how he was doing. Um, fine, I guess. How have you been? It was an odd question, and he felt stupid for asking it. He had never known how she was before, and though she was a beautiful girl, he didn't really care either. Tammy's eyes went wide and she began excitedly. Oh, I've been great. Me and Brad got married. You probably knew that. Practically everyone in town was there. George had no idea the two had married. It wasn't exactly surprising as they had been together since they were old enough to date, but George traveled in no one's circle, and gossip like that rarely reached his ears. And just a few months ago, we had little Brandon. W.L. That, that's great. George was surprised by this. Tammy didn't look like she had had a child at all. Her body still looked toned and wonderful in her tight bicycle shorts and sports bra. When he looked a bit closer though, he noticed that her breasts looked slightly heavier and her eyes looked a bit sleep-deprived. Isn't it though? He's so handsome, just like his daddy. He and Brad are here today, they are off grabbing a box of strawberries. She continued on about the great job Brad had landed managing part of his father's construction company and how happy and wonderful everything was at home. But she was looking at George hungrily. George was missing Dawn even more. Finally, the conversation steered towards George. So, how are things for you? I heard you dropped out of community college. You know, you could probably get a job working for Brad. He needs a few guys for his crew and I don't think he is being very picky right now. He even hired some guy from Nicaragua or Paraguay or, oh fuck it, they are all Mexicans to me. Anyway, he doesn't even speak English so you could probably get a job. You are so big after all, Brad needs big strong men. The look in her eye seemed to finish her sentence with. 
And so do I. But she kept quiet on that front. So are you still living at home? Um, well, yeah. I mean, for now. He looked behind him, hoping desperately that Dawn would be bounding back in his direction. That's nice. My daddy got us a nice house close to the bay. It isn't the ocean, but what are you gonna do right? Anyway, Brad is rarely home, so I've been making it really nice. I've got some hardwood floors coming in next week. George nodded politely as she rambled on and on about the importance of matching towels in all the bathrooms, or how the proper shade of paint will increase a baby's brain power. Wow, George, isn't it crazy running into each other like this? I had heard you were a bit of a hermit. So, you got a girlfriend? Yeah, well, you see, I met this girl at work. She's the most incredible woman I've ever met. Uh Uh-huh. She wasn't listening. Her eyes never even tried to look at his face. Instead, they seemed locked on his cock, still hard from Dawn's constant flirtations. Tammy moved closer to him and rubbed her hands over George's broad chest. Do you think she will mind if I borrow you for a while? Her touch was so different from Dawn's, very rough and appraising, like he was a piece of livestock she was thinking of buying. He recoiled slightly at her unwelcome advance. Oh, don't be like that, Georgie. We are both adults here. She moved her hands swiftly to his cock and rubbed it hard a couple of times before George pushed her away. The lust in her eyes only seemed to intensify. Um, look, Tammy, I'm flattered really, but what about Brad? I don't think. Oh, please, Brad is never home and I need some relief. I bet you could give me one hell of a workout. Come on, I can see how hard you are. I know the effect I have on you. She renewed her vigorous advances. She took George's hand and placed it roughly on her breast. George did think she was very attractive. Her long blonde hair and body built for cheerleading, among other things, had been the subject of many early fantasies. When he first saw her many years prior on their first day of high school he developed a crush on her that lasted until the end of junior year, when he realized what type of person she was. Her personality was a complete turnoff, but that didn't prevent him from having quite a few late-night fantasies about her phenomenal body. Then he remembered Dawn and instantly felt ashamed for what they were doing. He looked around nervously, thinking that either Dawn or someone else would see them, and Tammy would have to let up. But the aisle was strangely deserted and the people who passed by ignored it like it wasn't even there. Tammy reached for his cock again. Come on, Georgie, give me that big dick. Fuck me like Brad never has. She pulled his head down and kissed him forcefully. George had a momentary lapse in control when he actually considered fucking her in the middle of the supermarket. But as Tammy's lips fought with his for dominance George remembered Dawn and longed for her purity and the giving nature of her kiss. He regained his composure just in time and pushed Tammy away, angry. Stop Tammy, that's enough, whispered George firmly. Then, from behind Tammy trotted Dawn with a bunch of bananas. She hugged George and placed them gingerly in the cart. Sorry I took so long, George, said Dawn. Some pudgy guy with a baby was hitting on me. Oh, hello there. Dawn, this is Tammy Breckers. We went to high school together. Tammy, this is my girlfriend Dawn. Tammy's face was classic and George secretly wished he had a camera. Her expression quickly went from annoyance at having been interrupted, to loathing when she realized how gorgeous Dawn was, and finally to something vaguely resembling politeness as Dawn offered her hand. She took it quickly if only because she would have looked foolish if she hesitated. Oh wow. So nice to meet you. Beamed Dawn. Um, you too. Said Tammy shortly. She looked Dawn up and down. Try as she might, she couldn't wipe the jealous look from her face. You know, if you are looking for a place to get some nicer clothes, I can suggest a few good places. They might be a bit expensive for you though. Could you? Bounced Dawn. I just moved to town, and I didn't bring much with me in the way of clothes. Although, that pleases George just fine. Doesn't it hot stuff? She nudged his ribs playfully, and gave him a knowing smile. Either she wasn't catching on to Tammy's cattiness, or she didn't care. Either way, George was enjoying the scene immensely. I should be going, Brad will be looking for me. See you later, George. Without waiting for a reply, she turned her cart around and rushed out of sight. Bye, Tammy! Called Don. Suddenly, Don turned and hugged George so fiercely he thought that he had been tackled by a cute brown-haired linebacker. He hugged her back, even though there were a few people walking down the aisle again. Ah, babe, what was that for? For being the strangest and most lovable master I could ever have dreamed of. I don't get it. I was monitoring you as part of my protection powers, when I saw Tammy approach you. She was attracted to you physically, though she was so penned up she would have had sex with you while her husband watched. You were just the outlet she was looking for. 
So I went ahead and gave her a bit more courage and made it so you two would not be disturbed. That was you doing that. I thought it was a little odd. So you aren't mad at me for kissing her? Of course not. I am your genie, part my purpose is to fulfill your every fantasy, and I recognize her from some of your kinkiest. But then you turned her down. You turned down a girl who you have been lusting after for years. Why? She isn't you, that's why. Said George laughing, he wasn't quite sure if she was serious or not. Having sex with her would have probably been fun, but you are so much more of a beautiful person than she is. I honestly would have regretted it after it was over. And I didn't feel like I had to go through that, because I have you. Does that make sense? She hugged him again. No, but I appreciate it anyway. They walked on, checking off the items on their list as they went, when they caught sight of of Tammy and Brad in the checkout line. Brad looked like he had gained quite a few pounds. He seemed surly and miserable. I wonder what the deal is with those two. They always seemed so happy in high school. Back then, started Dawn. They were enthralled with each other for no other reason than they were the two most popular and beautiful people in school. If they had been with anybody else, it would have been a step down in their eyes and their pride would not have allowed that. But I doubt either of them were really happy with that arrangement. Huh, I guess so. Hey, wait a minute. George said in sudden realization. How do you know all that? You weren't there. You never even met her until today. When it comes to sex, George, there are very few things I do not know. As soon as it was apparent that she was attracted to you, I was able to know everything I needed to know about her, sexually. I know what she has done, who she has done it with, what she wishes she could do, and what she will never do. I can detect sexually transmitted diseases, not that they matter for you, and with a wish, you could change most of that as long as it was sufficiently sexual. Oh, so I could wish her personality was not so revolting, so that I could enjoy having sex with her? Sure you could, though people who know her might notice the change, so I might have to modify others' memories of her to fit with her new less prickly demeanor. Or we could just make the change pertain to you, so that she would only be different when it came to you. Shall I make it so? Whoa, 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 said George. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I was just wondering. She shrugged. Very well. George watched Tammy and Brad for a few moments from behind a display. Neither seemed to be talking to one another. He noticed that Tammy would look at Brad hopefully from time to time, but Brad seemed disinterested. Sheesh, they look pitiful. It is a little sad, isn't it? But if they didn't really like each other anymore, why did they get married? I mean, they aren't in high school anymore. Would anyone really care? She became pregnant towards the end of the school year, and he married her out of obligation more than anything else. She was hoping that the birth of their son might make Brad a bit more affectionate towards her again, but he resents her for, as he sees it, ruining his future. That's terrible. Agreed. They continued on through the frozen food section. Dawn took particular interest in the desserts and pleaded desperately, albeit acutely, to try them all. His mother wasn't big on stocking sweets in the house, so there was no desserts on the list, but George allowed Dawn to pick out some ice cream anyway. She opened up the quart of cookie dough ice cream she chose and dipped her finger in for a morsel. She licked her finger in a way that was entirely obscene. George loved every second of it. He made a mental note to wish her some desserts later, though he had a feeling they would be too busy to eat many of them. As amazing as the show was, among all her other flirtations, George couldn't stop thinking about Tammy and Brad, and how miserable they seemed. Hey Dawn, do you think Tammy and Brad love each other? Dawn stopped playing with the glass freezer door, and the noises it made when it opened and closed. I think deep down they do. Tammy doesn't really believe there is any other man for her. And Brad, despite his resentment, does love his son and wants to be in love with Tammy. But at the moment the two are so estranged that I do not believe the marriage will last much longer. They began too young I think. George thought hard. On one hand, he hated Brad for being such a jerk to him in high school, and Tammy for goading him on. He felt a certain justification for the way their lives were turning out. But, on the other, George had Dawn, and his life was looking up. He didn't really feel committed to continuing what amounted to a childhood grudge. Do you think we could help them out, with a wish I mean? Maybe it would have to be a sexual wish of course, but I won't be able to accurately predict the results since I only know the details of their love life, not their everyday lives. Are they even having sex anymore? Tammy seemed like she was a bit love-starved. No, Brad lost his attraction to her physically once she started showing and he has been afraid of getting her pregnant again. She has been working out like crazy to be attractive to him, but Brad has let himself go a bit, so she is beginning to wonder what the point is. 
and the shallow nature of their relationship makes it difficult for them to talk about anything serious, so working through these issues would be next to impossible. They cheat on each other regularly though, and both know it. George thought hard for a sufficiently sexual wish that would help their relationship. He was having a great deal of difficulty until he thought about his relationship to Dawn. She was so happy to be his fantasy. Maybe if the two of them could become each other's fantasies, then their bond would grow. How about this, Dawn? Could I wish that Tammy and Brad become each other's fantasy lover? Maybe compel them to fulfill each other's sexual needs. That each will become physically attracted to the other again, and take steps to stay that way. And can you make sure that they won't become pregnant unless they both really want to? And they will both realize that? Tingle. Yes, so far that all sounds possible. Good. Do you think that will help them at all? She scrunched up her face and thought. I cannot be completely sure, but at the very least, it should draw them closer together. Having a wonderful sex life can make the rest of the relationship easier to fix. But George, I am surprised. You say you find Tammy to be revolting. Why would you want to help them? With great power comes great responsibility. Huh. Oh, never mind. It's from a comic book. Anyway, the point is, if I have the power to help somebody, I should. If I didn't, then I wouldn't deserve to have the power in the first place. I understand, but I hardly think it is your responsibility to fix problems that you did not cause. I mean, where does it end? Are you going to fix everybody's broken relationship, just because you can? Well, I hadn't really thought about that. Do not misunderstand me. I think you are very noble for wanting to help them, even though they hardly deserve it. But I would not be doing my job in protecting you if I did not warn you of the dangers of meddling in others' affairs. Could you keep an eye on them, maybe? Make sure that I won't mess them up too badly? She nodded. Will that be difficult? I mean, is that going to wear you out or anything? She gasped in offense. Wear me out? Of course not. As long as your wishes fall within the parameters I am set, they will be as nothing at all to me. She shook her head and mumbled. Wear me out. Honestly. He laughed and pulled her in close. Her wounded expression left quickly as George embraced her. Okay then, do it. Tingle, flash. It is done, I'll let you know what happens. Thanks, babe. He held her close, content to run his hands down the length of her braided hair. George? Yeah, Dawn? You are really quite sweet, you know? Don't tell anyone, I have a reputation to maintain. She giggled and kissed him. When George finally checked off the last item of his grocery list, the two made their way to the checkout line to pay. After filling the conveyor belt with his haul, the woman dragging them across the scanner, and the bag boy did all the work, leaving George standing there waiting to know the damage. He looked around and noticed a cute Asian girl bagging groceries a few registers down the line checking him out. They locked eyes for a moment and she quickly looked away, though she looked back a few moments later and gave him a coy smile. George smiled back. Dawn leaned in so that she was less than an inch from his ear and whispered so that only he could hear. Like her? Feeling like he had been caught, he laughed nervously. Sorry, I was just looking. I do not mind if you look, George. She whispered. If you desire her, it would be my pleasure to arrange a meeting. I can tell you that she thinks you are very nice looking and wishes to meet a guy just like you. Keeping his voice low, he whispered back. Really? She looks way too cute to be interested in a guy like me. You mean a handsome, intelligent, nice young man, whose pants are curiously tight in all the right places. George had already forgotten that his body was now very different. Thinking back, many of the women they had passed had been giving him strange looks, but he had attributed them to Dawn's attractiveness, not his own. He admired the cute bad girl some more. She had long, raven black hair, and a pretty, exotic-looking face. Her uniform wasn't very flattering, but he could tell she was beautiful. Though much more petite than he usually preferred and not anywhere near as curvaceous and sexy as Don. But that wasn't really saying much as no one he had ever seen in his life, even in show business, could come anywhere close to Don. She looks a little young though. What is she, 16? Asked George. 14 actually. She is very new to her sexuality, but she fantasizes quite a bit. She is nervous about her body, but she is mentally ready for sex if she could only gather up the courage to go through with it. Does she have a boyfriend? She did, but he turned out to be a jerk. Luckily, she realized it in time before they got farther than some heavy petting. Well, I think she might be a little young for me, but a little fantasy couldn't hurt. Let's give her a nice vivid dream involving her most potent fantasy tonight. Let her remember all the details and feel every sensation. Tingle. Done. But George, do you not wish to take her? 
To hear her cries of bliss as she comes with your wonderful cock inside her, over and over again? She reached down and traced the shape of his cock through his pants while she spoke. George looked around nervously. They were in clear view of several people, but none of them seemed to notice. A wet spot was forming at the point where the tip strained against the fabric. And maybe, but the law here is eighteen. Younger than that and it's considered rape. The law may say eighteen, but for you there is no law, as far as sex is concerned anyway. And she wants you. Look at her. George looked over at the girl, who could clearly see what Dawn was doing to him. She was trying to bag the merchandise for her customers, but was distracted by the show. Her eyes were glued to Dawn's hand on his shaft. She wishes she was me right now. All you have to do is wish it, and the girl will be yours. Please, George, I want to watch you take her. I want to hear her scream as you fill her virgin cunt with your cum. George was so aroused that he was having trouble thinking, but he didn't like where his thoughts were going. Yes, he desired the girl, but she was just a girl, and even though the age difference was not much in the grand scheme of things, she could still easily be one of the students in his swimming classes. It felt wrong somehow that he would be having those thoughts about someone so young. Dawn's encouragement stopped being sexy. Stop! said George quite audibly. Several people close to them glanced their way, but Dawn's hands were back at her sides immediately, and before anyone could see. That's $238.48, said the woman behind the register. George fumbled awkwardly with his money, but managed to count out the appropriate amount and waited for his change. He glanced over at Dawn, who had the look of a child who knew they were about to be yelled at. They left the store, passing the cute Asian girl as they went. Dawn walked a step behind George with her head down. He was unsure of what to do or say. He wasn't angry at Dawn so much as himself. He had actually considered wishing to have sex with a child. But that was just the beginning. Her powers would allow him the freedom to fuck anybody without consequence. He could wish to rape any random person that walked by, and not only would Dawn be okay with it, she would encourage him to do it. He could easily become some sort of monster that nobody could stop, like a villain in one of his video games. For the first time since he opened her vessel, George was actually frightened of her powers. What if someone else had opened the vessel? Someone who didn't care who they hurt in the process of satisfying their cravings. He and Dawn loaded the trunk with their grocery bags in silence. He pushed it closed and leaned against it, trying to come to grips with his thoughts. He turned and sat on the bumper and rubbed his forehead. Dawn sat next to him, but was careful to give him some space. I, I am sorry, George, she said quietly. The sincerity in her voice was unmistakable. The only other time he had heard her that serious was the first time she told him she loved him. I know, Dawn, but it isn't really your fault. Dawn kept quiet and waited for George to explain himself. She averted her eyes, her hands clenched together in her lap. It's my fault. The only reason you did what you did was because you thought that was what I wanted. And I haven't given you any reason to think otherwise. So, you did not desire her? No, I did desire her. That's the problem. She was really cute, beautiful even. And I was this close to actually going through with it. Before I met you, before I had the power to act on those impulses, I wouldn't have even thought about it. But I let the potential of your abilities go to my head. He rubbed his eyes, ashamed of himself. She's just a child, what was I doing? I should have foreseen this. She said, her voice cracking. How could you have? As your genie servant, I am supposed to completely understand your sexual wants and needs perfectly. I should have known that the thought of sex with one so young would have thrown you into turmoil. I have caused you anguish. She began to cry. It was the first time he had ever heard her cry out of sadness. I am so sorry, George. I have failed you. That wasn't what George wanted to hear, not at all. Her trembling voice cut deep into his heart. No, Don, no. Please don't cry. It's nobody's fault but mine. I have to have more control over myself, that's all. I just came so close to doing something terrible. The possibility was never that realistic before. It was frightening. This must be one of those things, aspects of your sexuality, that I had to guess about. It is the only explanation for my lack of foresight. When I saw you looking at her, I did not even think to take her age into account. I figured that would be a minor hurdle. In my time, George couldn't help but laugh. It began as a low chuckle, but it built into full-on hysterics. Dawn managed a nervous smile. What is so funny, George? So the jailbait is now a minor hurdle. No pun intended, right? Dawn searched her words and then laughed through her tears. That is not quite what I meant. 
she said while she wiped her eyes. Come here. She obeyed, and scooted over next to him. I know that there are going to be some obstacles, but I can say, without a doubt, that you are worth it. We'll figure each other out. Let's just, take it a little slower. She hugged him tightly. You know, most masters, when their servants displease them like I have done, would have them punished. Yeah, well, you aren't my servant. You are my girlfriend, my lover, my best friend. I don't have a whole lot of experience with that sort of thing, but I know that they learn and forgive. So, do you forgive me? Yes, George. Do you forgive me? He nodded. She held his hand and sighed heavily in relief. Then she giggled. Does this mean I get to punish you now? I think we both deserve, at the least, a stern talking to. I'll make a deal with you. What? You find a fun way to punish me, and I'll punish you back. Is that a wish? He hesitated, but then remembered that it would have to be a sexual wish, so he wasn't too worried. Sure, why not? Tingle. She hugged him even tighter, and he felt better instantly. With their minor hurdle, effectively hurdled, he felt like they had become a little closer. Come on. We need to put the food away before it spoils in this heat. After that we'll go get some lunch and go to that crazy store. Yes, George. Do you think we will have time for that punishment before we go out again? Suddenly, George's stomach rumbled loudly. They both looked at each other and laughed. Ah, uh, is there another hot stuff in there trying to tell me something? Yeah, it was something like, feed me you asshole, joked George as he gripped his stomach. Dawn collapsed on top of George in laughter. At which point, George couldn't help Mike tickle her mercilessly. Their closeness spurned a passionate kiss. For George, it was sweet relief. George and Dawn made their way back to the house. They were in high spirits having averted a minor crisis, although the talk was less flirtatious. George was a bit sexed out at the moment, and Dawn had plenty of things to say without trying to turn him on. They laughed together as they relived her first adventure into the real world and all the people she had a chance to interact with. George took note of the fact that, although she was teasing them a little, she had friendly feelings for all of them. All except Tammy, and thanked George again for turning her down. So, if you didn't want me to have sex with Tammy, why did you go to all that trouble of trying to make it happen? Because I am your genie, fulfilling your fantasies is my primary purpose. You genies are nutty. You know that right? She laughed. What do you mean? We've already established that, on top of your role as my genie, that there is a part of you with human-like tendencies. Right? Right, by virtue of your desire for me to be more free-willed. Okay, well then why do you want me to hook up with other girls? That isn't something that women normally encourage. That has more to do with me being a genie than anything. Most genie servants were gifted to powerful men with harems. My job as a genie servant in a situation like that would be to run the harem and keep the other girls aroused enough that they will be ready for the master's bed. Really? Asked George with a raised eyebrow. And how would you keep them aroused? She smirked devilishly. Let's just say that, if you had been a woman, nothing would be different between us. No way. You are just teasing me now, said George. I am serious, George. All sexual genie servants, such as myself, are created with an open mind towards both sexes. Unless, of course, this goes against the master's wishes, but from my understanding of your desires, you wouldn't mind watching me with another girl. And as monogamous as you protest you are, it is only natural for a man to want to have sex with as many women as possible. While most women resent this, due to the evolutionary advantages to having a partner who takes care of them, I could not hold you back from your desires, especially if they were made into a wish. But it would make no sense for me to deny you, because I would want to be with all those women as well, thanks to my bisexual nature. Okay, that all makes sense. But that still doesn't explain why you preferred that I didn't have sex with Tammy. Oh, I just did not relish the thought of running a harem with her in it. She is a total bitch. Oh, sorry George, please pardon my language. They arrived at the house and put away all the perishable foods. The milk was already dripping with condensation in the muggy heat. They set up a system where Don would hand George a food item and he would show her where it belonged in the kitchen. George took the bunch of bananas that Don had retrieved during his chat with Tammy and began to think more on the idea of a harem. The notion was intriguing to him, to say the least. So, are we creating a harem now? She smiled devilishly again. If Master wishes it. You could get away with murder using that line. Mused George. So, say I meet a pretty girl who is also smart and funny and really digs me? You mean like Lindsay? She interjected. Um, okay. For argument's sake, sure, how would we go about it? A wish would suffice. It is easily sexual enough.
But what about her? I mean, would she really want to be in a harem at all, let alone my harem? Dawn scrunched her nose up in thought. It would take some convincing, I think. But your friend is much more sexual than you probably realize. Oh, I have got to hear this. Dawn giggled and turned from her station in front of the pile of shopping bags to face George. For starters, she is hopelessly in love with you. Has been for a long time now. Bullshit. Dawn looked at him, confused. Tingle. Oh right, slang. I understand. No, no, it is true. All throughout high school she has longed for you. But she has always been afraid to press the issue, for reasons I am unsure about. She has been waiting for you to get up the courage to ask her out. She left for college last year feeling like she had left something undone. So her primary focus besides school has been aimed at making herself more attractive to you. She joined a sorority, and promptly received a makeover and a gym membership. But then, wait, are you sure you want me to continue? George became concerned. What do you mean? Well, you see, she has been pining over you all year, but she did meet a few people who she was, um, sexually attracted to. Oh, said George, understanding that Dawn was heading towards Lindsay's sexual history. He felt a pang of jealousy that someone had reached her before he had. Though, he instantly felt a bit hypocritical, as he had never had a sexual thought towards Lindsay before that. In any case, he didn't feel like hearing all the details so he bade Dawn to skip over them. You have nothing to worry about, George. The end result was that her affection for you was only reaffirmed and strengthened. She was finally planning to take the first step last night, but I'm afraid that my presence has put a damper on her plans. She thinks you are out of reach for good now. Wow, I didn't know any of this. She giggled. I am not surprised. Boys have a tendency to be rather clueless when it comes to the inner workings of the female brain. Though, I have to say, you are better at it than most. Though I doubt you realize it. Why would you say that? You always seem to know what to say to make a girl feel good. I am rather surprised that I was your first. You seem to instinctively know how to be a good boyfriend. Although, I guess I might be a little biased. Well, you are the only girl I can really talk to. Besides Lindsay. But we only ever talked about nerdy things. Like video games and comic books and stuff. We never talked about our feelings. With you, I can just say what I want to say without having to worry that you are going to make me feel stupid. Thank you, George. I hope you know that you can talk to me about anything, including video games and comic books, even though I know little about them. But I do not understand, why would someone make you feel stupid for giving them a compliment? Got me. I remember this one time in freshman year, I asked out a sophomore girl who I fancied. I wrote her a poem on Valentine's Day with all kinds of sappy compliments. I mean, I poured my heart out. But she came at me during lunch that day and told me off. Said that her eyes were shit brown, and what the fuck was wrong with me for liking her eyes. I learned fast to play closer to the vest. Dawn got a faraway look about her then came back with a smile on her face. She kept that poem you know. Really? Mmm, she really liked it. But she was so embarrassed at the time, and a friend saw it and gave her quite a bit of grief over it. So she did what she thought she had to do to save her reputation. But she still has that poem, and regrets the way she acted. She's still holding out for a guy who can express himself the way you did. George was stunned but immensely pleased nonetheless at the notion that some woman out in the world kept something of his. Then it occurred to him that maybe he wasn't the complete loser he'd felt like all through high school. He wondered where she was at that moment, and what she was doing. He was no longer pining for her, but their sudden reconnection filled him with thoughts of what might have been. George. Began Dawn. Why did you give up? On girls I mean. Why did you stop trying to find love? George had rationalized his position several hundred times before he met Dawn. But now, they all seemed like foolish excuses. At the time, it was just, too hard. What do you mean, too hard? All you have to do is walk up to a girl, and ask. What is so hard about that? Well, when you put it that way, yeah, it's almost nothing at all. But, he sighed heavily. After you get shot down as many times as I have, after you get told, repeatedly, that you are a worthless piece of shit, your ego starts running out of places to hide. Put it this way, if nine times out of ten, you get punched in the face when you walk outside your front door, you are going to stop going outside eventually. But you and Lindsay get along so well. Why have you never asked her out? Lindsay and I are friends and I've never really ever looked at her like she was a girl. She was my only friend in high school. I guess I was afraid that if I did ask her out, she would cast me off like all the others did. And even if she didn't, she'd get tired of me eventually. If you haven't noticed, I'm not exactly the life of the party. 
I needed her. Without her, I'm not so sure I would have even finished school. I'm sorry, George, but I still do not understand. From what you describe, and from what I have observed, people seem to think of you as some sort of pariah. What could you have done to deserve such treatment? I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. If that's all right with you? George asked hopefully. All right. Said Dawn, her voice filled with sympathy. I have another question about Lindsay though. It is clear that my ability to detect desirable mates for you is somewhat flawed, at least for the time being. Now that you know how she feels, would you like to add Lindsay to your harem? George started chuckling to himself. What? I am serious. Dawn, I don't know what it was like back in ancient Persia, but you can't just start a harem these days. Most people frown on that sort of thing. Okay, maybe not a harem. But as your genie, and as someone who cares about you and the ones you care about, I think you should consider the possibility that Lindsay and yourself are destined to be more than just friends. You really think so? Yes, and I can show you if you like, and without any magical assistance. What are you plotting? Oh, nothing, just a little, educational ambush. She said with a wink. George cast her a suspicious glance. Hey, do not look at me like that. She said playfully. I will not do anything to hurt your friend. And it will be fun. George was thinking that there was no way something like this could end well. But did Lindsay really love him? Had he really been that oblivious that he didn't notice? There was only one way to find out. Okay, as long as you promise me, no magic. I don't want to make her do anything that she would regret. Deal? Deal. She squealed. Oh, I cannot wait. Do I look okay? She rubbed out some wrinkles in her shirt and looked over her shoulder at her tight butt. The effect brought her amazing curves into full view and George found himself unable to stop from wrapping his hands around them. She forgot how she looked and turned to gaze up at him. She bit her lower lip seductively. Are you going to finish what your fingers have started? George was sorely tempted to toss the remaining groceries on the floor and take her on the counter. But he had held out this long, and he was curious as to how long it would be before he lost total control. He knew that if he could wait just a little while longer, it would be that much sweeter when they finally did come together again. But he was also extremely hungry from staring at food he could touch but not taste, and putting away all the food they had bought invoked some laziness at the idea of bringing it out again. Lindsay suddenly equaled food, and Dawn's revelations about her had intrigued him to no end. He had to know what Dawn had been talking about. I think right now, I'm too interested in this ambush you have planned to fully enjoy anything else. But tonight you and I are gonna finish this. And it's gonna be great. Promise? He responded with a kiss and managed a muffled. Hmm. He placed one hand on the back of her neck and the other on her perfect derriere, and pulled her in as close as he could. She melted into his loving embrace and breathed a guttural moan into him as the hand on her ass fell deeper into her. The feeling of her body, molded into his own, was a sensation he never wanted to forget. The drive over to Walt's Witches found George a nervous wreck. He was excited and apprehensive at the same time. And though the sun was dipping a bit lower in the sky he found himself sweating. He thought about what they were doing. Without Dawn, he would have never have planned a reconnaissance mission to delve deeper into his best friend. He became very nervous, and Dawn noticed. Do not worry, George. All you have to do is be yourself and follow my lead. Pay close attention to her, and you will see how enamored with you she is. I still can't believe I let you talk me into this. Trust me. You both need to come out of your shells a little bit. Lindsay has been trying, but she is so hopelessly hung up on you that it would take some major genie intervention to get her to move on. I trust you. But can you tell me exactly what our goal is here? I mean, aside from lunch, because I don't know about you, but I'm starving. Mostly, to get you both to see each other in a new light. And to let her know that I do not intend to stop her from being at least friends with you. Mostly? Nothing bad, I promise. Well, as long as you aren't going to make her do anything she isn't ready for. Dawn chuckled. Yes, master, although, I think you would be quite surprised to learn what she is ready for. They pulled up to Waltz and George shut off the engine. As he was about to get out of the car, his heart raced at the prospect of forming a romantic relationship with his only friend. But if what Dawn had described was true, and he had no reason to think it wasn't, this was something Lindsay had wanted for a very long time. Even though he and Lindsay had known each other since they were small children, George felt like maybe he hadn't really known her that well at all. The small cafe was recovering from its lunch rush, but wasn't very busy. Only a few customers took up the seats closest to the window, and appeared to be finishing up. George took a quick look around the counter, but Lindsay was nowhere in sight.
However, Walt was there, and welcomed George immediately. Oi. Is that you, George? Walt extended his large callous hand for a shake. George took it, but was immediately pulled in for a bone-crushing hug. Walt was just as tall as George, though much more corpulent. He had always been a gregarious man, with a hearty, infectious laugh and a booming voice. George had always imagined him as a drunken, red-headed, British Santa Claus, without a ride back to the North Pole. Blime it, George! Who is that with ya? George reached for Don who had been standing just behind him. Walt, I'd like you to meet my girlfriend Don. Don, this Walter Miller. Walt pushed George out of his way to step closer to Don. He took off his baseball cap with the cafe's logo on it and held it to his heart. Aye, and a pleasure it is to meet you, Mississippi. Has Anne been a beauty like yourself come into this town since my Lindsay came home from college? He let loose his hearty laugh. Don blushed when Walt bent low to kiss her hand rather than shaking it. Thank you so much, Mr. Miller. It is so nice to meet you. He waved her off. Now don't you start calling me Mr. That be like, put and lettuce on a pizza. You can call me Walt, just like old George does. So you got a mom? A sister and aunt? Please tell me there be more lasses like you out there somewhere. Hmm, sorry Walt. I am afraid that they do not make many like me. I ain't that the truth. So George, what were you doing, standing at the entrance to town with a sign that said free handbags? Are you kidding Walt? All I had to do was mention I knew the owner of Walt's witches and the panties just disappeared. That would assume, of course, that I was wearing panties to begin with. Piped on. Walt laughed heartily once more and patted George roughly on the back. Oi. Was that a joke? You too are cheeky, you are. Blimey George, I haven't seen you looking like this since before your dear old dad passed away. He turned to address Don directly. Old Henry and me went way back. Help me get on my feet and open the shop after I lost me missus. George is the spitting image of him. I remember when he and Lindsay was little kids, he was always playing pranks, telling jokes, and troublemaking like it was his job. But he's been so dopey these past few years that I was beginning to think he'd gone nutters. George just rolled his eyes. So is Lindsay around? We were hoping you could let her take a lunch break. Walt turned towards the kitchen with a look of exasperation on his face. Um, you two stay right here. I'll go look for her. He quickly shuffled to the back of the store out of sight. George and Don exchanged confused looks. Was any of that odd to you, babe? Don got a faraway look again. He was trying to disguise the fact that Lindsay knows we are here and is avoiding us. She feels it would be too awkward to talk to us both at the same time. She has already set me up as a rival. Do you think we should? Just then, George could hear Walt in the kitchen. Don't be an old ninny. Get out there. But dad. Came Lindsay's voice. I'm covered in flour and my hair is all messed up. George doesn't give a damn. Just show him some leg and take off that baker's jacket. Here, I'll hold your glasses. George could hear rustling accompanied by Lindsay's protests. Dad! Stop already! Okay, okay, just don't break them. She stumbled out of the kitchen and caught sight of George immediately. Her long red hair was tied up in a bun. A few strands hung across her freckly face and accentuated the lines of her cheeks and chin. The clumsy way in which she tried to collect herself told of how new and uncomfortable she was with her beauty. She looked highly flustered as George's eyes met hers. They were apprehensive and guarded, but full of energy and promise. She wore her bright yellow polo shirt that hugged the curve of her trim waist and her firm breasts. While not quite as large as Dawn's, they still stood out proudly. Her shirt was tucked into a pair of dark brown work pants that were less flattering, and made George long to see her delicious-looking thighs clad in a pair of skin-tight jean shorts again. She must have changed when she made the delivery to his house. For the first time since George had known her, he saw her not as the young girl he had grown up with, but as a woman. A beautiful, intelligent, and attractive woman, to be desired and cherished. He suddenly realized that much of what Dawn was, his subconscious idea of his perfect woman, had come from Lindsay. She was the first to break the silence. Okay, okay, you can stop gawking now. She wiped away a smear of flour that had gathered on her freckled cheek. You, um, missed a spot, said George as he motioned towards the tip of her nose. Oh shoot. Did I get it? George looked directly into her, something he had never done, and said, Perfect. Oh my! Gasped Dawn. What? Is my head on backwards? Joked Lindsay. Dawn turned to George. George, you lied to me. What? How? Dawn smiled out of the corner of her mouth that Lindsay couldn't see and wink at him. 
You told me she was pretty. She is absolutely gorgeous. Lindsay couldn't help my smile broadly even as she blushed. Yeah, you heard the woman. I'm gorgeous. What the hell is wrong with you, George? Both the girls were staring at him with their arms crossed. He noticed that, standing side by side, they were within an inch in height. Dawn, meet Lindsay. Lindsay, Dawn. Lindsay loosened up and shook Dawn's hand. Sleeping beauty, right? Dawn blushed. Oh, sorry about that. I was having a rough day. Lindsay scanned both their faces and George instantly knew the jig was up. He and Dawn had both turned an incriminating shade of scarlet. I bet, she said finally. So, you guys hungry? Dawn and George nodded excitedly. Okay, I'll go whip us up something. You guys came at a good time. I was getting bored back there. She disappeared into the kitchen but called out to them. Go sit down. I'll be right out. George was about to find a booth when Dawn stopped him. George, let's sit at a round table. Since there are three of us, a booth leaves one person sitting alone. Thank you, wise and all-knowing sex genie, said George in as comical a voice as he could muster. She giggled. Her smile made George's stomach flutter. So, did you see how she was looking at you? That is not your body that makes her weak in the knees. She loves the way you look at her. It makes her tingly all over. I definitely saw something, replied George. Though I have to admit, I wasn't looking at her eyes so much. She has really filled out since high school. She was always cute, if a little bookish, but now she's like a Victoria's Secret model. College has given her many opportunities to broaden her horizons, both intellectually and physically, not to mention sexually. You can thank her sorority for that. George sighed heavily. Are you all right, George? Asked Don carefully. Yeah, I'm fine, it's just, I feel pretty stupid for not realizing what a great girl I've had following me around all this time. We could have had years together already. And then she went off to school and I didn't even try to keep in touch. And now I'm feeling jealous that someone figured out how great she is before I could. I've been pretty selfish, huh? Do not be so hard on yourself. She treasures the time you and her have spent together as friends. The fact that you did not force the issue has not been lost on her. She is grateful for the respect you have always shown her. She trusts you. Which is why I complimented her through you. That was a good line by the way. She's not pretty, she's gorgeous. Thank you, George. She beamed. One thing I have noticed about her already is that she is not used to being appreciated for her looks. She is a bit like you in that regard. She has trouble believing that she is as beautiful as people say. But she will believe it if it is from you. So instead of just telling her she was gorgeous, I made it come partially from you, so that it holds more clout. George marveled at Dawn's incredible knack for reading people. He would never have been able to read that deeply into anyone and Dawn was reading his best friend like an open book. Hey Dawn, you might have a future in psychology one day. You are a regular Dr. Ruth, and way cuter. Tingle. I am sorry George, but I refuse to believe there is anything cuter in this world than a tiny old lady with a funny accent, saying penis with regular frequency. George laughed. The two talked quietly about nothing, just enjoying each other's company while they waited for Lindsay to return. Finally, she reappeared out of the kitchen with a tray of food. I didn't know what you liked Dawn, so I made you a salad and a smoothie. George, I got your club sandwich, no tomatoes. Enjoy. They dug in, George practically inhaled his sandwich as it was the first thing he had eaten all day. He looked over at Dawn who was eating her salad with less enthusiasm. He spied her eyeing the half of his sandwich he hadn't yet bitten. Here babe, want to try mine? He asked. She nodded emphatically. After slaving it with mayonnaise, mustard, and a few potato chips for good measure, she took a big bite and rolled her eyes back in pleasure. Lindsay stared at her in disbelief. Holy hell girl. How do you eat like that and still look that good? Dawn stopped mid-mouthful. Umph, I don't know. George came to her rescue. I'm convinced she's an alien, sent here to gather information to send back to the mothership. And the first thing I'll tell them is how good the food is here. Piped Dawn as she finished her bite. The mothership cantina has nothing on this place. Yeah well I would have pegged you for one of those girls who only eats half the peanut. But you put it away, don't you? I would have thought the same of you, Lindsay. How do you look so fit with all this great food around? Lindsay blushed. Thanks but I don't get to sample much of the food anymore. I've been trying to eat more healthy. Did you hear that my dad had a heart attack last Christmas? George nodded sorrowfully. George had heard. He had wanted to go see him and Lindsay then, but was too worried that Walter would die. He wasn't sure he could have handled the fallout. Is he okay now? Asked George. Yeah, he's fine.
It's been a full-time job to make sure he sticks to his diet. I've recruited an army of people to make sure. But so far he's been a good boy. Anyway, ever since then I've been doing my best to set a good example for him. It feels good to be fit, it's just... What? Dawn asked as she listened intently. I don't like how people treat you differently when you're pretty. You understand, Dawn. You must be used to people talking down to you because they think you're nothing but a pretty face. You really think I'm pretty? She asked wide-eyed. Well, yeah. Of course you're pretty. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I was fishing shamelessly, but it's nice here every once in a while. But yes, I do understand where you are coming from. Thankfully, George does not think that way. So do you go to college then? That is actually why I am here. I was looking into the program at Stafford and few other places. Ah, uh, that must have been when, um, when I met George? Yes. I was dying for a dip in the pool and George let me in. I was hoping he would get up the courage to ask me out, but I do not think he really believed I was interested. I was the one to crack first, and I just blurted it out. I was so embarrassed. Smartest thing I have ever done. Lindsay just nodded as she listened. George could tell she was mentally kicking herself. He had the urge to comfort her in some way. Either by telling her that all hope wasn't lost, or even that Don was his genie servant and wouldn't mind her joining his harem. But there was no way he could tell her any of that. He had already decided that he wanted her as a lover, but now he desperately wanted to be a better friend. Don continued with the conversation. George tells me you are going to state. What are you studying? Computers. Programming, actually. I want to make my own video game someday. Do you, um, play games at all? Tingle. Not very much. I have never really had anybody to play with before. But I would certainly enjoy trying any game you made. George, will you teach me how to play video games? Hell yeah I will, as soon as we get back. But actually, you should ask Lindsay. She kicks my ass every single time. What can I say? I've got golden thumbs. Said Lindsay. She playfully poked George's arm with her right thumb. We should all play sometime. You guys can show me the ropes. Dawn bounced in her chair which made her breasts jiggle once more. George couldn't help but notice that Lindsay was looking and didn't seem to be disgusted. Uh, okay. I'm game. Great. Said George. Next time you have an afternoon off, just come over. Lindsay shuffled nervously in her seat. You sure I won't be interrupting anything? Whatever do you mean, Lindsay? Said Dawn innocently. Well, I don't know. Like, um. Dawn placed her hand on Lindsay's. Lindsay, we are all friends now. We'll always make time for you. Lindsay looked back and forth between Dawn and George, searching for some indication that Dawn was just being polite. But George was sure she meant it. He nodded in agreement. Lindsay smiled bashfully. George suddenly knew where Dawn had gotten that trait. The threesome's conversation steered mostly towards Lindsay and Dawn. George kept quiet for the most part while he enjoyed the two girls' banter. While George hadn't been planning on thrusting Dawn upon Lindsay for fear of making either of them jealous, now it looked like the two were hitting it off. He was impressed with Dawn's ability to fit so harmoniously with everything around her. Cute young Asian girls aside, Dawn was systematically improving every aspect of his life, one by one. And instead of closing doors, she was throwing them wide open. Lindsay, is there a bathroom? Asked Dawn as she finished her half of the sandwich. Uh, yeah? Just through there. Lindsay indicated a hallway that turned out of sight. Thanks, I will be right back. She rose gracefully and traced her finger across George's shoulders before she bounded around the corner. George and Lindsay sat alone together. Their sudden awkwardness was palpable. She's really nice, said Lindsay finally. Yeah, she is. They continued eating. After a few more awkward moments, they caught each other's eye. Neither could keep from laughing at how strange everything suddenly became. Okay, laughed Lindsay. This is awkward, isn't it? It is, laughed George. I can't figure out why, though. I can't blame you. It's your first girlfriend. We've never really dealt with anything like this before, have we? Definitely not like this, said George as he looked to the corner where Dawn disappeared. George, I have to ask you something. Promise you won't get mad. He waved her off. It's okay, go ahead. Is she the real deal? George was taken aback. What do you mean? I don't know. She averted her gaze. I guess I'm wondering if she's the one? George thought hard. He wasn't conflicted over whether or not Dawn was the one he wanted to be with for the rest of his life, but he didn't want to shut the door on Lindsay. However, this was his best friend. He had to tell her the truth, to a point. 
Honestly, I think she may be. I've never met anyone quite like her. That's what I thought. She is pretty amazing, she's nice, and pretty, and smart. She chuckled. Shit, I think I might be crushing on her. Lindsay looked dejected, and poked at her salad half-heartedly. George felt compelled to say something. Look, Lindsay, I know that I haven't been a very good friend to you this past year. What with your dad in the hospital and all. But Dawn has made me realize how important you are to me. I don't want the fact that I have a girlfriend now to prevent us from being friends. And Dawn wouldn't want that either. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that you and I will always be together. And for the record, you are all those things too. All right, all right. Enough with the mushy stuff already. She pushed him playfully, and couldn't hide another bashful smile behind the guise of brushing her hair out of her face. But thanks, George. Friends forever? Yeah, good ones. Lindsay chuckled. What? Asked George. You've changed. Well, yeah, I've been working out a bit. No, no, not that. You were always cute anyway. What I meant was, Dawn has been a good influence on you. You seem better. It was his turn to blush. You really think so? Okay, tell me the truth. How's the sex? It's, a. Uh... George suddenly realized he had fallen into a trap. Er, what makes you think we're having sex? Oh, bullshit. You two are fucking like squirrels on ecstasy, and you fucking know it. George tried to keep a straight face, but quickly broke down under Lindsay's scrutiny. He just laughed nervously. I knew it. George shrugged as he tried to contain a knowing smile. So? How is it? She was on the edge of her seat as she waited for George to answer. Well, it's, um, oh god, it's so fucking great. Yeah? Yeah. I'm not going to go into the details, so don't ask. But I will say that she's nothing short of magical. With tits like that. Shit, I think I can see what spell she's using. Lindsay. I'm just saying. They laughed together. It was the first time that the two friends had exchanged talk about sex. It was a huge relief in a way, to have someone besides Dawn to talk to about his situation, even if he couldn't tell her about Dawn's real magic. Dawn appeared just as they finished their gossip. The fact that they quieted down as she approached did not escape her. So, have you two arrived at sex yet? George and Lindsay pointed an accusatory finger at each other. She started it, was talking about your tits. It was him, he spilled the beans. Dawn just sighed as she shook her head. They talked well after they finished eating, until the cafe started to fill up with dinner guests. They said their farewells along with promises to hang out again sometime soon. Lindsay walked them to the door, when a large group of young teen boys dressed in baseball uniforms rushed past them. George noticed a mischievous gleam in Dawn's eye. By the way, Lindsay, I love that top. She said a little too loudly. It makes your boobs look amazing. Every boy within earshot, including George, immediately turned to older Lindsay's chest. She instinctively moved to cover herself, but let up when she remembered she wasn't naked. George suddenly realized what Dawn was doing and added a wolf whistle to goad on the crowd of admirers. All right, all right. Yes, I have boobs. Should I pose? Do a dance, maybe? She put her hands behind her head to thrust her chest out. One boy had whipped out his camera phone and snapped a quick picture. Hey, give me that, yelled Lindsay. George and Dawn realized it was time to beat a hasty retreat, as Lindsay made to tackle the happy teenager. They ran quickly to the car, and laughed as they sped away. Full on good food, conversation, and laughter, George flew down the road a little faster than normal. Dawn had figured out how the radio worked, and once she found a rockin' 80s hair metal song, she became a mess of arms, and breasts, and hair. George knew the words and did his best to sing along. He wasn't anywhere close to the singer Dawn was, but the volume managed to hide his flubs. Dawn cheered him on nonetheless. Once the song was over and the DJ interrupted their fun, Dawn fumbled once again with the radio to find another song to rock out to. Okay, status report, said George when he felt he had gone a safe distance from Lindsay. Yes, Captain, saluted Dawn. In short, she feels much better than she did after last night. And, um, she no longer sees me as a rival. That's great, exclaimed George. Wait, is it? That kind of depends on you, George. You see, before, she wanted to have a normal loving relationship with you. With holding hands and a flowery wedding, a few kids, typical of the majority of women. However, she has hit something of a snag. A snag? What do you mean, a snag? Dawn adopted a sheepish look. She, um, well, she is still in love with you, but she, sort of, likes me now, too. You mean? She wants to get in my pants, said Dawn finally. 
George's jaw fell open, then closed as he thought about the situation a bit more, then flew open again. He looked like a fish out of water as he imagined Lindsay, his childhood friend, entwined with Dawn in a more than friendly way. Are you mad? She asked. No. I mean, of course not. It's just weird to think about. He grappled with his thoughts for a few moments before adding. Are you sure? Without a doubt. Originally, she was extremely jealous of me, and angry with herself for not making her move sooner. But now that we have had a chance to talk, she has developed a crush on me instead. However, she is now conflicted about her feelings for the both of us. She loves you, she always will, but her new desires for me are fogging up her once ironclad resolve. That's, that's hot. Dawn rolled her eyes as she sighed in resignation. I know, men. Well, what do you think about all that? I feel flattered, she said bashfully. Oh, come on, you are more than just flattered. You told me just a few hours ago that you were attracted to girls. And Lindsay is one hell of a catch. All right. I like her. I like her a lot, actually. She's so hot. Those eyes and that body. Not to mention the fact that she is a prodigy in bed. Dawn adopted a dreamy look and George noticed that she was rubbing her thighs together just a bit more than usual. Dawn's got a girlfriend. Sang George. Eh, stop that. It's embarrassing. She covered her reddening face in her hands. Oh, George, I am sorry. I did not mean to entice her so strongly. No, don't be sorry. I am just really surprised to learn that Lindsay would want to be with another woman. I mean, no offense, if anyone was worth going gay for, it's you. But it still sounds crazy that she would suddenly become a lesbian after talking with you once. Dawn shrunk nervously. Actually, I would not be her first lesbian experience. You mean? Do you remember those others I told you that she was sexually attracted to? They were not guys, they were girls in her sorority. No way. Lindsay? A carpet muncher? Master? She laughed. I think she would prefer the term, bisexual. But you said there weren't any guys. There has not been. She wants what she would consider to be her first true sexual encounter to be with you. She believes she is only going through a college phase and does not consider herself to be a true lesbian. She loves everything about you, even when you resided in your previous body. But not anymore? Like I said, she still believes you are the one for her, and I happen to agree with her, but cannot help but find herself wondering what it would be like if the two of us had some alone time together. Well, mouthed George, I guess I really didn't know Lindsay as well as I thought I did. So what do we do now? That is entirely up to you. You can make a sexual wish to bring her to you, by now you should know that you would not be forcing her into anything she has not already fantasized about. Or you could do nothing, and let things develop on their own. Well, I guess we don't need to decide anything right now. Although, I have to admit, the idea of you two together is pretty fucking arousing. So, you would not mind if Lindsay and I became intimate? George thought carefully about the consequences of giving Dawn permission to fuck his best friend. On one hand, he wanted Dawn, and Lindsay for that matter, all to himself. But on the other, he felt like it wasn't really his place to stop them if they both wanted to take the next step. And this just might be the key he was looking for to help Dawn become a free-willed person. However, that didn't mean he had to let her have her way so easily. Fine. Huff George. Go off and have your fun. Leave George all alone with his video games and his comic books. No, no. It's okay. He feigned a sniffle. Whatever, I get it. Ah, hot stuff, I would never forget about you. She climbed on top of him, even though he was driving, and shoved her tongue down his throat. He was worried at first, but quickly realized that Don's protection powers would keep them from getting into an accident. He took his hands off the wheel and enveloped her in a passionate hug. Sure enough, the car retained its speed and heading without his input. George leaned back and let himself enjoy her welcome weight on his lap. They remained entwined all the way to the antique shop. George was surprised when they arrived there instead of his home. He was looking forward to using the hard-on she had nursed along all day to ravish her properly, and antiques suddenly felt incredibly uninteresting. He continued his kissing, savoring the giddy feeling of being kissed back. Dawn tore herself from his lips and pulled hers up and out of his reach. But George just nuzzled her neck instead. George, we are here. She managed as she squealed delightfully from the heady sensations radiating from George's lips. Mmm. Was all George mustered as he kissed along her collarbone to the other side of her neck. And master, you do like the idea of Lindsay and I together. She gasped, even as she rocked up and down along the length of his cock through his trousers. And not that I'm complaining, but there are people are around. 
George said nothing. He instead reached up and cupped her soft orbs and pinched her hardened nipples through her tops. She jumped at the sudden stimulation, and her butt hit the steering wheel, honking the car's horn in the process. Dawn was so startled that she leapt off of George's lap and hit her head on the ceiling. A passerby eyed them intently as they walked by. The two broke down into laughter once more. Dawn rubbed the top of her head, wincing through her laughter. Oh, that's smarts. George pulled her in for a consoling hug. Damn it, I can't believe I just got cockblocked by my own car. Laughed George. Remind me to make some wishes about this thing, starting with headroom. I think there is plenty of room for head in here. It is the other axe that could be a problem. George chuckled. With the mood broken, there was only one thing left to do. Well, you want to go look at some old funky shit? She nodded happily. I would like nothing better. After you, babe. George heard the dingling of a bell being struck as he opened the glass door to the strange shop and held it open for dawn. It was very dark, in stark contrast to the brightness of outside. It seemed that the only light in the place was shining through the glass door. It was cool and dusty, and once the door closed behind them with another dingling, very quiet. Though the place looked large from the outside, inside it was very claustrophobic. Stacks of old books topped with odd trinkets littered the showroom. There were antique lamps on worn wooden desks. Fragile-looking metal apparatuses hung from the ceiling. The place was a maze of forgotten history. It made George a bit uneasy. He made his way through the jungle of the past slowly and cautiously, being very careful to keep his hands in his pockets, for fear of knocking something over. Dawn stayed just a step behind him and held onto his arm tightly. Though she was quite curious about all the items they passed, the place gave off an air of reverence that demanded she withhold her enthusiasm. They approached a long wooden counter where George would have assumed someone would be keeping watch. But nobody seemed to be around. He could see that there was more to the store behind the counter, but it was even darker than the rest of the store. What do you think? He asked. This place is interesting. It is amazing to me what people think to keep. Don't take this the wrong way, Don, but this place gives me the willies. I think we may be the first customers in here since dust was invented. He swiped his finger along the counter and showed Don the build-up. Agreed. It is quite creepy, isn't it? Want a bail? She sighed. Yes, you were right. There does not seem to be anything here that would be more than a passing interest. Suddenly, George heard footsteps coming from a hall leading back through a few packed shelves behind the counter. A man appeared, wearing a very old brown suit. He looked ancient but moved with surprising alacrity. Hello there. What can I do for you? He spoke with an accent George could not place due to its thorough Americanization, and a deep rasp, like he had smoked two packs a day all his life. But he seemed pleasant enough. Uh, no, that's okay. We just came in to take a look. But we need to be going. Now, now. The old man began, on closer inspection George figured he must be from somewhere in the Middle East. Do not be hasty. I pride myself on having at least one item in my shop for everyone. Something they desperately need. It is only a matter of figuring out what, and then finding it of course. The old man cast an examining glare over the both of them that made Don recoil slightly. Ah, uh, new to each other, are we? He said, a broad grin spreading across his wrinkled face. H, how did you know? Asked Don. Fair lady, when you have been around for as long as I have, you develop a sixth sense for these things. I can see that the bond between you is very powerful, but still tenuous. It is akin to a slip knot. The harder you pull, the tighter the knot becomes. But if one tugs just the right string, the knot falls apart. George and Don exchanged worried looks. They knew exactly what the other was thinking. Did he know that Don was a genie? The man laughed pleasantly. Do not be troubled. It is the same with most young lovers. Stuck in an unending cycle of passion, fueled by deep fondness. Often, it only takes a strong wind to scatter the flames of love beyond ever being whole again. He addressed George directly. I implore you, young man, do not let that happen. The old man examined them quietly for a few moments before having a sudden idea that bade him to scurry down the hallway and out of sight. I have just a thing to prevent such an occurrence. Came his disembodied voice. Um, that's okay really, we were just leaving. George was officially creeped out, and wasn't particularly interested in whatever oddity the man would try to pawn on them. Just as they were about to leave, the man appeared holding a very ordinary-looking wooden box. Please, please, I insist. What kind of salesman would I be if I did not at least show you what I have for you in my shop? He positioned the box in front of them, and opened it slowly. Inside was a pendant. Made of some bluish-white stone that George had never seen, 
It was in the shape of a beautiful angel clutching a ruby to her bosom, and framed by ornate wings folded inward. She was wrapped in a gold sash etched with the words Pectus Pectoris Mimer. The heart remembers. Red Dawn. George was surprised and impressed that she could read Latin. Although it made sense, he could read it too. Ah, right you are, miss. Intelligent as you are beautiful, I see. The story goes that long ago, there was a young couple, just like yourselves. Their passion for each other was beyond what we mortals are meant to feel. The rulers of a small country, they loved their people just as much, and were adored by them. A tyrant from a neighboring country sought to take the queen as his own, for her beauty was unrivaled. But her heart belonged to her husband, and she spurned the tyrant's attempts to woo her. Enraged, he threatened to invade the small country and murder its people. With no choice, she resigned herself to her fate, and knowing that her husband would not understand, she told him lies of how she had cheated him, plotted against him, and never loved him. She even left behind her ruby ring that the young king had given to her as a wedding gift. She broke the king's heart, so that she might save him. That's horrible. Cried Dawn. But that is not the end, fair lady. The young king could not accept this, even in the face of her betrayals, he still loved her. He gathered his army, and united as they were for the love of the queen, fought with courage and skill. They won many victories, until finally, the evil tyrant led his army himself and smashed the young king's forces. He was captured and brought before the tyrant to kneel at the feet of his new bride. The young king did so, for she was, and always would be, his queen. She was tempted to rush to his side. But if she had, the lives of all her people would have been forfeit. So she bit her tongue, and wept inwardly as she cast him down with spiteful words. At the gallows the next morning, the young king clutched the ruby ring in his tortured hands. The last thing he uttered before succumbing to death was this, Pectus Pectoris Mimer. The queen could not bear her guilt. She recovered the ring, and threw herself from the highest cliff. The tyrant, moved by their love, realized that as long as he sought to take what must be given, he would be doomed to be truly alone. He abandoned his evil ways and ruled both nations benevolently until his death. And in commemoration of the two who showed him what it meant to love, he gifted all newlyweds with one of the pendants you see before you, to remind them perhaps, that regardless of time, distance, boundaries or betrayals, true love never fades, for the heart remembers. Dawn had been listening in complete fascination. However, George was weary that the old man was just trying to weasel some money out of him. Okay, so how much of that story is true? The old man laughed heartily, which quickly turned into a rasping cough. Pardon me, he said as he collected himself. It doesn't really matter how true the story is, only that it is told, and that it is enjoyed. Have I entertained you? Dawn nodded quickly. George shrugged in agreement. The old man chuckled once again. I like you too. I tell you what, why don't you take the pendant? Go on. It's yours. Oh, we couldn't. Gasped Dawn. Yeah, I mean, at least let me give you some money for it. Added George. He had noticed Dawn eyeing the pendant wistfully, and it suddenly felt wrong to not take it with them. But accepting a gift from a stranger was a bit out of George's reach. We don't even know your name. Oh dear. Where are my manners? My name is Anais. You are? He reached out with his hand for a shake. George shook it cautiously, and Don did the same. I'm George, and this is Don. There, now that we are acquainted, it is quite acceptable for me to give you this. Consider it a token of our new friendship. Oh, come on, at least let me give you something in return. Anais rubbed his chin before coming to an idea. I tell you what, if you promise to visit me here every once in a while, I would consider that a payment of a thousand times magnitude. I have little need for money, but the company would be most welcome. George and Don looked at each other. George couldn't shake the feeling that this man was just a really good salesman, but the look on Don's face told him of how much she pitied the old-timer. He had to admit feeling sorry for him as well. All right, Anais, that sounds like a good deal. Splendid. Here, put it on my dear. It is perhaps a bit gaudy by today's standards, but I think you could make anything work. He carefully reached for the silver chain and held it up expectantly, a huge smile on his face. Don turned around and held her braid out of the way. Anais lifted the pendant over her head and fastened it. She turned back around to show the boys, posing happily with her new jewelry. George thought it looked a bit comical. Both Dawn and the pendant were beautiful on their own, but together they seemed a bit over the top for some reason. So, what do you think, George? Dawn beamed. It's great. The young man is just being polite. It looks terrible. Anais said solemnly. Hey! She pouted. Oh, don't worry, my dear. 
In the proper instance, such showy displays are to be expected. And besides, you're getting the damn thing for free. Beggars can't be choosers after all. Thanks, Anais, said George. My pleasure, Sir George, he bowed. Now, if you will kindly excuse me, the antique road show is on in five minutes. Anais didn't wait for their farewells. He quickly shuffled down his hallway and disappeared. Dawn took off the pendant and placed it carefully in its box. The two looked around some more at the various oddities in the shop before making for home. As soon as the two entered the beat-up old sedan, Dawn attacked George with loving kiss. What was that for, babe? He asked once he had a chance to catch his breath. For indulging my whims and letting me have my fun. You are a very kind master and the best boyfriend a girl could hope for. Well, I might have had ulterior motives, he said as he ran his hands from her hips to her sides. And mm, I bet you did. She leaned in close so that she could whisper to him. I have wanted you so badly today. Will you please take me home and ravish me now? It does not feel right to go so long without your touch. George didn't need to be told twice. He rushed home as fast as he could. Dawn made concentration almost impossible as she nibbled on his ear and ran her delicate hands over his quickly hardening shaft. He felt a rush of excitement as he turned down the street towards his house. What he saw then terrified him. In front of his house, a police car's flashing red and blue lights lit up the surrounding neighborhood. He could see his mother's minivan parked out front. Oh no. Mom! He rushed from his car towards the house. George, wait! cried Dawn as she ran after him. Continued in part three.